Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 8 Review Edition. I'm your host, Dean Parks. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to sum up all of Sunday's action with none other than Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? What is up, Ian? It's a great day to be great. We got a Cowboys win, a, a Cowboys complete domination. We don't we don't get that that often. I, I it feels like forever ago. We did get it early in the season with the defense, and honestly, that's the offense looked better today. But yeah, the defense was uh was balling again. It was a rough day for Mr. Stafford. But yeah, man, we got football. We got everyone playing. Uh, lots of cool stuff to dive into. And with that, let's dive right on into it. As Dwayne said, absolutely no buys this week. So we got a lot of games to get through. And just, you know, first, thank you for listening or watching us wherever you happen to be doing that. Hope you had yourself a great weekend. So, Dwayne, let's kick it off with the winning Cowboys. They took down the Rams 43-20. to Cowboys did cover that six-and-a-half-point line, the overcash with ease at 44-and-a-half. It's another dominant performance, Dwayne. You said there have been a few of those this year, but we haven't really seen the offense continue, I guess, to look super competent throughout those performances. I mean, we've had a weird amount of games where the Cowboys score 40, and it's like Dak didn't even play all that well. That's how good the defense and even special teams have been at times. And don't get it twisted. They had a pick six. They blocked a punt for the safety. Turpin had one huge return. almost had a, He did have another punt return for a touchdown, and that got nullified. So, again, that part was great. But we actually have now, Dwayne, in back-to-back games, first against the Chargers, now against the Rams, seeing a much different version of Dak. I mean, over these past two games, 9.4 yards per attempt, 9.2 average target depth, and he's taking a much longer time with the football, over a three-second average time to throw. I mean, the first five games of the year, it was just like he was almost scared to throw picks and just wanted to get the ball out quick, only a 6.6 yards per attempt, 7.1 average target depth, and a 2.5-second average time to throw. So, yeah, yeah, small sample size, but just as bad as things were in that 49ers game, Dwayne, they really started to look a lot better offensively over these past two games. Yeah, and it's funny what happens whenever you just say, you know, we're going to make CeeDee Lamb like the centerpiece of the offense today. He had a 41% target share, obviously, to lead the team. He had 41 fantasy points. And to your point, Ian, over these last two games with Dak, he's not only been better like just in the you know underlying box scores, but also for your fantasy team. He's at 24.8 and 28.1 fantasy points. The other nice thing we got from the passing game today was Jake Ferguson for the second week in a row, over an 80% route participation. He's been trending in the right direction. He came down with a touchdown catch as well, so four targets. He caught all four balls for 47 yards, including that nice seam throw from Dak, a really good catch from Ferguson. Same ball that really Gallup dropped that you had to talk about like two weeks ago when we were yeah. doing the show. And then you had a nice little Brandon Cooks touchdown at the end. So they got him a little bit involved. Gallup was the guy the least involved, 51% route participation. And look, while we love Michael Gallup and, you know, we want to root up, we want to cheer him on after the way he performed the last game when they really gave him all those targets, I think they were right to kind of yeah. get these other guys a little more involved. So I'm looking forward to seeing Ferguson kind of being the number two to CD Lamb, CD being the true centerpiece of the offense, and then let Brandon Cooks do a little here and there. And, and you know, hey, look, Gallup, if you can get your stuff together, then maybe you can be part of it too. Speaking of CD. Dwayne, you could tell it from like the first drive, man. Like he oh, yeah. just had some extra <laughs> juice today. It's like that pitcher. Sometimes you get up there and you got an extra three or four miles per hour on that fastball. CD, whatever he did, you know, pregame meal, pregame tunes, whatever it was, man, keep doing that. And the forcing a week high, six missed tackles just on his receptions alone. Now on pace for 112 catches, 1,537 yards and seven touchdowns. Not too shabby. Dwayne, the unfortunate pace and the one piece of the Cowboys offense that didn't really get right in this one was 
was Tony Pollard. So again, still very much the Cowboys RB1. And you would think if they put enough of these performances together, we will get that boom. But man, Dwayne, the Tony Pollard experience has been tough. Now has gone an NFL high 121 consecutive touches without a touchdown. So I do kind of agree with the general eye test that he just hasn't quite looked as explosive. I mean, there was just a play out there today. Went for four yards, but he just kind of made a cut that you're used to seeing almost glide through. Not quite the same explosive threat this year. So I totally get, you know, moving on from Kellen Moore, haven't seen the same early down creativity, a lot more just, you know, yeah, go make something happen up A-gap Pollard. But again, Dwayne, anything we can do here? Is it just kind of like Pollard a little bit too much more like Mixon than we prefer, where it's just like utilization is great, keep starting them and deal with it. Yeah, it's an efficiency thing right now. The thing yeah. that used to always carry Pollard, and we were like, <laughs> damn it, we need the utilization. Now the utilization is here, and we're, damn it, where's the efficiency? And uh, maybe it's something to do with that tightrope surgery. I think there's also something going on with the Cowboys offensive line. This is one yeah. of those teams where I do watch every snap, every game, every week, no mm -hmm. matter what. Like, I'm always getting all the snaps for the Cowboys. Um, Even through the tears sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if the Rangers play, like, I, I will still just, you know, I'm going to have the Cowboys on, Ian. So, course, I, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, so, when you look at the Cowboys offensive line, like they haven't necessarily been great. It wasn't bad today, like average two yards before contact for Pollard. Like that would be okay. But like when you look at it for the season, it's a little bit lower than that. And it's just the explosive run, uh, running plays. And that's the biggest thing I'm seeing. Only 6.5% of Pollard's carries have gone for 10 plus yards this year. The last several years, he's been in that 12, 13, 14% range. The league average is nine and a half percent. So whether that's due to having to handle a larger workload, or that's due to the injury that's just having a lingering effect. I don't think we really know. It's probably some combination of all those things. But to your point, if the Cowboys offense can continue to play the way that it's playing, and we still have a running back that's getting, you know, today, I mean, you had 12 rushing attempts for Pollard, and then he, he wasn't as engaged in the passing game, but he's usually getting somewhere between 16 and 18 opportunities a game. That's typically going to be good enough in an offense like the Cowboys. So I still think he's a nice buy low. Obviously, if you drafted him in the middle of the second round, you're really sitting here hoping that it comes on. Um, so I, I don't know, like the efficiency will turn around, but I, I definitely know that he should be worth more fantasy points than what we're getting in this offense if they continue to play well. Final note is that while Dak Prescott did have one interception out there, it was tipped at the line of scrimmage, not really one you can exactly be blaming on him. And with that, Dwayne, we do now only have five interceptions through seven weeks. So I know it hasn't been the most uh, you know, smooth sailing for Dak, especially in the Twitter streets sometimes, but really is doing a better job taking care of the ball, especially lately with five touchdowns and just that one interception to his name over the last two games. Certainly was not quite that clean before then. So overall, good stuff with the Cowboys on the other side of the ball. Ball join. This is going to be one of many matchups where as much as we do want to break down what happened, it's kind of impossible to do so without immediately bringing up some bad injuries. In this case, we'd have Matthew Stafford suffer a right thumb injury, apparently on that crafty two-point conversion where he ended up actually catching the throwback pass and converting to two. They asked Sean McVay after the game, and he was just hesitant to give any information because he said he wanted to get the whole story. So in the absence of Matthew Stafford, Dwayne, we have Brett Ripien. I got a text uh, from Mama Harditz asking Ripping. The same ripping from uh, Washington back in the day. I said, Mom, he retired in 2001, so not quite but over. This is here, his but... son. 
this is his son and I, okay that yeah. makes sense but yeah. yes Dwayne so again just talk about overall what's going to happen if we do have to deal with the Brett Rippon experience who we have seen in Denver not be you know a complete joke we'll get to the New York Giants here in a little bit when it comes to that but just again going from staff for the Rippon Dwayne obviously not ideal it's it's a big it's going to be a major major issue um you know Stafford will just lock on to guys I think Rippon's still going to do the same to your point like we don't have enough data to say anything Cup and Puka Nakua are still going to be the leading targets but the ceiling for your offense is going to go down. Like Cup had 50% target share on 20 snaps with Rippon in the game, but Puka had a 10%. I, I think those things level out, but just the overall upside of the offense takes a really big yeah. hit here. I think they'll start to run the ball more, Ian. I don't think that they'll want to be as pass-heavy. They've already started to do that over the last few games. They've tried to run a little bit more. The game script got away from them today, and they still had 21 rushing attempts with Henderson and Freeman. So... I think it's a situation where we really just want Stafford back. Please, 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 can Stafford be okay? And he tried to come out and play in that third quarter after injuring it at the end of the second half, and he actually played that first drive, and then he couldn't really go. So I'll be interested to see uh, what the x-rays say. I mean, I'm sure they're negative because the x-rays are always negative. We'll really just be waiting on the MRI. Yeah, I'm sure the x-rays. When's the last time we ever saw a positive x-ray? I, I, of course, everyone. So hopefully, yeah. again, get better. Stafford, as Dwayne said, going to make quite a big a difference with all of our projections. I will say Puka Nakua managers and Cooper Cup managers. I mean, this was a rough one. Cooper Cup, first time in his career that he now has back-to-back -back games with fewer than 30 receiving yards. Shout out to Jeff Bell for that stat. And then with Puka, again, the box score tells you three catches, 43 yards. Had a six-yard touchdown in his hands in the back of the end zone. Just couldn't quite maintain it through contact with the ground honestly happened to puka a few times this year and also joined the really tilting one was bennett scroenek who wears number 18 and is also a caucasian male catches the touchdown and i don't know about anyone else but i thought that was cooper cup for a good two to three seconds out there so it's like the noah brown cd lamb the zackers dallas goddard some of these teammates man just look so alike in the heat of the moment it is absolutely tilting final note here is uh daryl henderson actually did get just short of a touchdown and then got vultured by royce freeman so i know the henderson managers out there not thrilled with this performance but again just a mere three feet away from making much more of it still wound up you know with 84 total yards Dwayne, do you have any info on just how much of freeman's 52 percent snap count came more so as the result of the blowout induced game script or was this more of a legit 1a 1b backfield than what we saw in uh, week seven um, yeah, so in the fourth quarter, it was pretty much the same as, as it was early. Like and Henderson actually had 54% of the rushing attempts in the third and fourth quarter, 39% to Freeman. But it was pretty evenly split. I think it's pretty much like a 60-40 thing. I thought we might see Daryl Henderson in a little bit larger role because McVay has trusted him. That didn't really come to fruition. And so, yeah, it's. I think it's basically what we saw last week. And one quick clarification, Tim Rippon is the proud father of, of – uh, Brett Rippon, but the uncle is Mark oh. Rippon. I knew they were related, but it was his uncle, not his dad. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Final note here is just that Zach, next, yeah, Zach Evans was a healthy scratch. Uh, Miles Gaskin was not, though. So, very, pretty much, Dwayne, we're looking at the Henderson Freeman experience. No more wondering if we're going to have Gaskin or Evans rearing their heads into it. All right, guys, moving right along. We now have the Vikings taking down the Packers 24 to 10. Vikings did cover as one point favorites. Obviously, the undercashed at 41 and a half. 
Sounds like per ESPN's Adam Schefter, Kirk Cousins has been diagnosed with a torn Achilles. So just absolutely sucks, especially for a guy that if anyone out there watched, you know, the QB1 documentary on Netflix is well aware of just how hard Cousins works around the clock to try to maximize, you know, every bit of athleticism and just overall body help that he can. So this is a uh, miserable Dwayne. Again, a guy that going into this game was one of only three quarterbacks with Patrick Mahomes and Tua over 2000 passing yards, at least 15 touchdowns. This sucks. Now moving on to Jaron Hall under center, if that's really going to be the way we're doing things. Obviously, Kyler Murray trade rumors are going you know, running wild right now with the possibilities there. But just just before anything, man, fuck injuries. Yeah, man. Turn them off. I'm with you. Turn them off. Can we make we can we can we get a petition to God to turn them off? Can we we all sign it? I know yeah, there's a man. lot bigger things on God's plate, but like, come on, this this is like this is a small thing. Just knock it out. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It wouldn't even take them yeah. that long. Yeah, it's a game, yeah. Man. This one's an easy one. You just mark off the list at the beginning of your day just to get the rest of your day going. Then <laughs> you start worrying about war and all this other stuff. Shut up, people stuff. like us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you worry about something. Uh, yeah, man. And so I mean, this is massive, Ian. This is a massive blow to the Vikings' offense. I mean, we've got Justin Jeff Jefferson just about to be ready to come back off of you know, IR. So we'll see what happens with that. But this is a pass first offense, one of the highest dropback rates over expectation. That is all going to change now. Um, I, I don't know what they'll do here. I know that as far as next week, I, I know that after the game, they would not commit to Jaron Hall, but Nick Mullins not available off of IR for another week. And there's not like a lot of options out there free agency. I don't know if they're going to go make a trade. If they do, like if they get a Jacoby Brissett, if they get somebody else you know, and maybe they trade for a Tannehill, someone like that. I don't know what all the contract stuff looks like because suddenly like the Vikings, a team that everyone thought was done, they've won three games in a row. Yeah. So not only from a fantasy perspective, but they're kind of in the middle of it now in their division. The Packers, who they beat today, haven't looked so good here recently. The Bears are losing tonight. You know, they haven't really looked that great. So this is a division where it's really the Lions and the Vikings looked like they were going to have a shot, but if they don't have Kirk Cousins and they can't make a trade for a quarterback, this is going to hurt their playoff chances, obviously. And it is a big blow, man. I, I was already thinking about it earlier when I wrote up all the stats here. Like Addison had another really nice day. Hawkinson had a big day. KJ Osborne even getting in on the act. Yeah. But all of these guys get downgrades. Like obviously Justin Jefferson is so good. He we kind of put him in that Devontae Adams category, right? I was like, about okay, to great. say he's the he's not as much as we love Garrett Wilson. I feel like Justin Jefferson is less of the wide receiver to drop more of the Devonte Adams. Just go out there and keep doing your thing, man. I agree. I think he could end up looking more like a low end wide receiver one and his ceilings may not look as high His floors may be a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. Consistency is going to take a hit. A lot of things we don't really want. If you've got Justin Jefferson on your, on your team, um, but he's still going to be okay. But the rest of these guys, once Jefferson's back and he's getting his looks, I, man, I don't think we're going to want a lot of them in our lineups. I think Hawkinson's still probably going to do his thing. But I think Addison, your league mates are probably going to be too smart for it. But if I could try to sell him high right now in a season-long league, I really would. And it's a shame because Addison really has oh, been absolutely falling. crushing it. 21.4 <laughs> PPR points per game with Justin Jefferson out of the picture. And honestly, I could have even been bigger out there today. I mean, no one's complaining about 82 and a tutty, but they have an additional 12-yard touchdown in his hands. Defender made a really nice play to make the hit and then rip it out. So not a straight-up drop, but again, would have been a lot cooler if he caught it. Now, without Justin Jefferson, to Dwayne's point, TJ Hawkinson has actually been the number one pass game option with a team-high 20 
28 targets, then Addison at 23, and then KJ Osborne at 21. But man, just again, if we are going to have to do life without Kirk Cousins, even Hawkinson, Dwayne, like, look, it's, it, we see the tight end slate. I'm not saying he's going to become someone we're not going to be starting out here, but getting definitely closer to that tight end six, tight end seven spot, I mean, that's for sure going to be a reality. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. Like, we just don't, we don't know anything about Jaron Hall yeah. other than he was a late pick. Which is typically not good. I mean, look what's happening right now with T-Bag. As well as he's playing, like it's still a struggle for the overall offense. And he's been very accurate, doing some nice things. But you're being a rookie quarterback, period, is really hard, much less being a long shot rookie quarterback. So they're going to have to make a move to make us feel any better about this. And no matter what move they make, Ian, it's not going to be Kirk Cousins. This They're going to change the offense. They're going to have to change the offense. And unfortunately... They don't really have a running game to lean on. Like Alexander Madison just continues to look terrible. Uh, like just continues to pound the unders, you know, <laughs> on any, any kind of bet you can get out there on Alexander Madison yeah. is pretty much just take the under man. Um, it's been really bad. Like he had 31 rushing yards today on 16 freaking carries. Now Cam, Ak to, to, he's lucky Cam Akers really wasn't any better. He had nine <laughs> carries for 19 yards. <laughs> he did score a touchdown. Uh, it's the Spider-Man meme, Alexander Madison and Cam Akers. Like, they're the same thing. Uh, it's not good. So I'm very interested to see what they do um, with the offense, but it's 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 hard to think anything other than bad things. I want to be positive on a Sunday night, but the reality is it's just it's going to be bad. I saw that Madison rushing line. I was like, that is the worst one I've seen since probably Cam Akers going 22 carries for 29 <laughs> yards back in week one. Got to be on the same team. So we did see Madison actually take back control of this backfield. If you were paying attention last week, Cam Akers was, you know, seemingly trending upwards, but this was a dominant Madison 62% to 22% snap performance uh, with Akers being the latter. So yeah, Alexander Madison suddenly, you know, back in the driver's seat there, but again, couldn't have lower scoring upside if we tried at this point with Cousins seemingly out of the picture. Now it could be someone you're going to be wanting to fire up. So, Dwayne, we do know one thing about Jaron Hall now. Uh, he was the guy responsible for backing up Zach Wilson at BYU. So, you know, as we saw, just coming out of that BYU offense. He threw the offense, ball to Puka Nakua. So there we good. go, man. Maybe maybe Puka can rub off some of that greatness on him because, you know, otherwise, it, maybe the BYU offense is a pro-ready unit. No, you know, they couldn't do it with Zach, but with Puka Nakua, man, we're just now seeing the uh, – the uh you know freaking fighting mormons out there doing their thing okay over there in green bay now another just rough performance for jordan love and company it's been a string of them at this point and they just continue falling behind in these games i mean they had opportunities in the fourth quarter like several drives where they got pretty deep in the vikings territory and then just stalled out so they have scored nine total first half points in their last five games combined i mean that's how brutal it's been and yes there are some drops out there jordan love tied Tua, i believe uh, with having to deal with a week high four drops but man Dwayne for a guy that just completion percentage over expected adjusted completion rate like we're trying to do Jordan Love some favors here at the advanced analytics and they're all still telling us that he is the most inaccurate quarterback in all of football Aaron Jones is back Christian Watson is back and we're still not seeing that bottom line change all that much are you ready to just kind of downgrade across the board here because the more we do see this Jordan Love led attack the more it looks like one of the worst offenses in all of football yeah, it's it's really starting to feel a lot like the Falcons, um, where we're you know, and, and Ritter had been playing better until this week. I know we'll get to the Falcons in a minute, but yeah, there's there's quite a few good players on the team as far as skill positions, and you can't feed them all. Um, you've got the split backfield thing going. This supposedly was Aaron Jones's healthiest game. He had mentioned before the game that this is the best he's felt 
besides going into week one, whenever he hurt the hamstring, he had a 48, he had 48% of the snaps, 41% of the rushing attempts, 37% drop back rate or percentage of the drop back. So he, he was right there, but AJ Dillon was alongside him. He was doing his thing as well. AJ Dillon actually had more targets. So it's just, it's frustrating. Maybe another week, Aaron Jones gets a little more involved, but yeah, I, I, have really just been hesitant to move Aaron Jones up the ranks until we actually see it happen. As far as the le- as the rest of the offense, we can keep it pretty quick here. But it's just what I said. It's 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 all getting divided up. Like Christian Watson was fine. He had eight targets. Like we'll take it. Eight targets. Okay, great. Well, he only caught thirty eight percent of them. Yeah. Because you know, well, one, he's the deep guy, so seventeen point four average depth of target. So you're going to have less accurate passes. And then you're struggling with Jordan Love, who you know is not a high completion percentage guy. So you're you're really stuck now depending on the big plays coming through because some of the consistent stuff is just not there. You had Jaden Reed out there. Uh, he had uh, six targets. Then you had Romeo Dobbs. He had nine targets, actually led the team. He did score a touchdown, so he managed to give you 11.8 fantasy points. So it's just really split up between all those guys. And then we had Musgrave really battling back from an injury. So he wasn't even fully integrated into the offense today. He was out there, but he wasn't really doing his thing. So I like all these players. But it's too many. It's too many when Jordan Love is your quarterback. So, yeah, probably going to have to consider downgrading Christian Watson. He'll still stay in the wide receiver three range because he's so talented. He's still earning targets and everything. But it it is a struggle to your point right now with Jordan Love. With Watson, 117 unrealized air yards behind only, of course, of course, Uh, the unrealized air yard king, Chris Alave. Of course, Dwayne, who else would it be? But yes, Alave did it again today. Number one. Number one, I, I cackled to myself when I saw it, just in a real sad way. In a real sad way, I cackled. A couple I more notes Denny, here. I saw Denny. I saw CD Carter put out a tweet. Oh, said, oh, God, it's going to be another Alave Air Yards week. We're going to have to talk about it again. It is, and we are. <sighs> Final notes here. A.J. Dillon just short down at the one-yard line, twice on the same drive that culminated with that Romeo Dobbs touchdown. Jaden Reed did draw an end zone DPI to kind of get them down there in the first place, almost did have a score himself. And Dontavian Wicks pretty much dropped a 10-yard score on a slant. Needed to kind of drag a guy in, but for my money's worth, I thought he would have got there. Only final other note, I did see K.J. Osborne, I think, had to go into a medical tent at one point. Didn't actually hear anything about how serious that was, but if you see him limited at practice, that is probably why. Moving right along, we had the Titans, the fighting Will Levises take down the Falcons 28 to 23, covering us two and a half point dogs, obviously, in the over cash with ease at just 35 and a half. This was a fun one, Dwayne. I love when we get these rookie quarterbacks coming in and just actually playing really good football because Lord knows nothing is more entertaining than NFL teams with competent quarterback play. And that's what we saw from Will Levis. So, no, I don't think he was maybe quite as good as some of those stats will lead you to believe when we do look at the Hopkins touchdowns the first one sure you know AJ Terrell sure seemed to think that Hopkins got away with a little bit of an OPI uh, there he did he freaking grabbed him yeah kind of you know Dwayne's just playing football out there he's just yeah. playing football well the, you know uh, it is a penalty definitely if AJ Terrell does that to DeAndre Hopkins but whatever <laughs> <laughs> Second one was thrown a little behind him, more of just a great play by Hopkins. And guess what? The third nuke touchdown was a nice double move where the safety just bit hook, line, and sinker and never really had a chance. So, hey, if you want to call it a lucky-ish four-touchdown day, go ahead. It's still four freaking touchdowns out there. But I do think, uh, you know, the telling stat comes from uh, just Dynasty OG Ryan McDowell, who noted that Will Levis is just the sixth quarterback in NFL history to throw four touchdowns in their first start. 
feeling good, feeling good. Well, okay, here are those other quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota, Todd Bowman, Eric Hippel, John Stofa, and Gary Cuozo. So all that to say, Dwayne, I do not want to take anything away from Levis. That is awesome. I'll way rather take four touchdowns over four picks. Come on. But not positive we can completely upgrade expectations for everyone here after four quarters of football. But, hey, we'll take it. Great first start. A lot of people hurting, though, Ian, at quarterback. So you've got Kirk Cousins now injured. Um, we've had other quarterback. Deshaun Watson is hurt. Um, just some guys underperforming. What is your thought on how aggressive? I mean, we're, we're halfway through. We're over halfway through the fantasy season. If you need quarterback help, like how aggressive should people be? Because he is at least a rookie. And so there's a chance that like he can keep doing some of this because he may just be that talented. Obviously, there's going to be some regression. But there's a, when you're staring at the other guys, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but the waiver wire is the most barren I have ever seen at quarterback, ever in fantasy <laughs> football. Usually, you know, there's always someone there. There's people you can pick up and start, but I mean, it's like living risky kind of stuff. Like they're not really quarterbacks you want to put in your lineup. So how aggressive, man, on Will Levis? I will say with Levis, man, when I broke him down, the one thing I really try to do with all these quarterbacks is see who could actually be a bad real-life quarterback but still thrive in fantasy because they can run the football. And Levis was much better than Stroud and Young in that department. Man, 19 and a half rushing yards per game. And when you actually even dug a little bit closer, like he had negative 107 rushing yards his final collegiate year, but that was just because of all these sacks and he was yeah. also playing through a ridiculous laundry list of injuries. Like, I kid you not, man, you go back more of that like 2021 film and you'll see him like legit juking out like safeties in the open field jumping over guys like he is an athlete and even though the josh allen comps are ridiculous because we comp every inaccurate you know project quarterback to josh allen these days you can see flashes of him just having again that howlitzer for a right arm that we saw a little bit today and the movement to go pick up yards with his legs so Dwayne, out of these guys we're looking at, you know, Taylor Heineke experience is going to be in there. Jaron freaking Hall, whatever Jaron freaking Hall is. Like, with Levis, man, similar in that Sam Howell vein, like, enough people thought highly of him to rank him as that top-tier quarterback prospect, even if he didn't end up going that high. I think the tools are there in an offense with some talent. I'm not saying he's going to be a weekly top-10 signal caller, but, well, Levis, he could be a Sam Howell for you, Boomer Bust QB, too. Yeah, my thought is like if you've been waiting and, and you really are struggling at quarterback and you really like the rest of your team, just be aggressive on Levis. You know your league and what that means. It could end up being wrong, but we just don't get chances like this where a rookie comes out and can flash, and you talked about his ability in the run game. Ian, he had six design rushing attempts today. That's a lot. It was only for six yards, so some of those were probably sneaks and things like that, so I haven't had a chance to like dig into the data past. He had like three nails at the end of the game too for what it's worth. Okay, well, those those won't go into design oh, attempts, right. but uh, one scramble for five yards as well. So he was, you know, he had some he had some involvement in the run game, to your point, and he showed the arm, the arm strength. I mean, it's a situation where they still are going to want to run the ball a lot. This is still the Titans, um, yeah. but I do think he's easily won the job. I mean, what are the Titans going to do? Like, how do you bench this guy at this point? Like, he yeah. came out and he won the game. Your team's not very good. You need to you need to see what you have in him. So. I would be pretty aggressive with Levis if if you don't have a quarterback that you're confident starting every week or you feel that your quarterback currently gives you no upside. 
he only took two sacks out there too. I mean, no interceptions. He didn't even, I mean, Malik Willis came in briefly and immediately lost the what fumble. What the hell, man? And that was pretty like, much it. Does this guy just practice bad? Because he looks so much better than anything we've seen from the Titans. I, it's I, funny how these things work. Some guys really are. They're just, they turn, they flip the switch for game day. Maybe Levis is just one of these guys because he also did bad in workouts, you know, private workouts for teams. And a, a lot gamer. of his pre-draft stuff, yeah, he fell down the boards probably because of interviews and things like that. And he's like, interviews? I don't get interviewed on the field. I just go out here and ball. So it's really interesting because they've had him all along and he got demoted to third string. How could this guy have been – how was he behind Malik Willis? I, I don't understand. Like, I thought he had to be terrible to be behind Malik Willis. Then he comes out and does this. Like, it makes you wonder sometimes because you know the coaches – are not that bad. If they were seeing this every day in practice, he would have been out there. So it's just, it's, it's kind of weird that it happened this way. And look, I've defended Tannehill over the years and look from 2019 to 2022, you'll still be hard pressed to find much wrong with him, but yeah, it has been brutal this year. And Dwayne, I have to agree with you, man. I don't know how you can go back to Tanny after by far your team's best offensive performance of the season, especially with how much bad Tannehill's doing out there, man. This is not a situation where it's like just, you know, oh, poor Tannehill. Nothing is like his fault. The one stat I pulled up this week was I just took every quarterback's dropbacks sacks fumbles interceptions who has the most bad shit happen per drop back and the only five quarterbacks with one of those things happening 14 percent or more of the time daniel jones justin fields sam Howell, ryan Tannehill, and deshaun watson not the group of quarterbacks you want to be associated with at least at this portion of the year 2023 shout out derrick henry over 100 yards on the ground also forced a week high eight missed tackles winter is coming everybody and with rumors that derrick henry will not be traded wouldn't be surprised if you know he continues to make the most out of these 20 plus touches per game hasn't been crushing it this year but my god i looked it up this morning still the rb12 and ppr points per game and that's probably going up after this one again shout out deandre hopkins on those three touchdowns he referenced geno smith's now just legendary line they wrote me off but i ain't right back absolute king shit from hopkins Dwayne, i mean if he's going to be soaking up the air yards like this and levis is going to be balling i mean i know hopkins is someone we talked about as a potential you know sell high a couple weeks ago when he he had that, you know, first, you know, nice over 100 yard performance. And that was more so under the assumption that Malik Willis was going to be the next man up because he was the backup quarterback every single week up until now. Maybe new life for DeAndre Hopkins fantasy managers. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I don't know how quickly we upgrade him. Like I'll probably leave him in wide receiver three territory for right now but obviously we could get another game like this we're not we're not getting another game like this like you're not <laughs> no. but you get another good performance um he had 22 percent of the targets today six targets caught four of them for 128 yards and three touchdowns so the three touchdown thing is what's not gonna happen but we've already seen hopkins dominating targets for this team all season we've said it again and again the problem is not hopkins like he is out there earning targets doing everything that he needs to do there's just not enough volume in the offense there's still probably not enough volume in the offense for his target shares to do everything. But if we know we can get a long touchdown mixed in or just more opportunities to score touchdowns because Levis gives him that chance, then that's really big for fantasy because touchdowns, as everybody knows, even though they're random, they go a long way and you need them to win fantasy games. So I think it at least gets Hopkins back in the mix. I will say this, though. I would sell high on Hopkins now. Yeah. Because I don't think you're getting another game this big. And if somebody's really hurting at receiver and they want to make a move for him, this is a spot where I would be willing to move. I know it's kind of confusing. We're saying, let's be aggressive. Go get Will Levis, but then sell high on Hopkins. It's just <laughs> it's just the nature of like what you're trying. You're trying to capitalize on how Will Hopkins played, knowing he's not probably not having another game like that. Not that we think he can't 
you know, have a good rest of the season. But I think if I had to bet right now, it's the, probably going to be your best chance to sell Hopkins this year. You can make that move before or after trade deadline, Dwayne, because there have been little murmurs out there about uh, one DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I guess you can wait, you know, just in case he gets traded somewhere. Wait till Wednesday. Crazy good. You know, yeah. yeah. Just wait till Wednesday because clearly the talent is yeah, still good there with him, not washed. All right. Final couple notes here on Tennessee side of ball. Could you imagine <laughs> like basically just giving Hopkins away just to like get like an RB2 and he's and they trade him to the Chiefs? <laughs> Jeez. My God, that would that be terrible. Would be, good, good advice from you. Sorry, that would be very, very scary. <laughs> Final notes here. I know Traylon Brooks goose egg almost made this incredible catch down the sideline. Only got one foot in bounds. Really nice ball from Levis. Just didn't quite work out. And Chicky Conquo also probably should have had a chunk thirty plus yard gain. Big bad wide open drop on that one. So again, almost more impressive than the numbers indicated was Will Levis. And again, touchdowns weren't the biggest tight window throws ever, but credit to the rookie for going out there making all sorts of plays week high 12.3 yard a dot Dwayne it was a fun watch for sure what was also fun was on the Atlanta side of the ball seeing seeing Taylor Heineke lead a spirited second half comeback Falcons scored 20 points after Desmond Ritter was seemingly benched wait we don't know because there's yet another unclear injury situation going on in Atlanta at first we had word that it was Taylor Heineke under center because Ritter was in the concussion protocol then Ritter got clear from the concussion protocol and we actually heard from head coach Arthur Smith at the end of the game that this was quote-unquote not out for performance issues we got a lot of confidence in Dez we didn't take him out for performance issues so I tend to think that you know taking five first half sacks and also losing yet another fumble in 30 minutes of football Dwayne could be chalked up to performance-based issues apparently not to Arthur Smith though so I just how do you now look at this second half performance and seeing Heineke do everything in his power to bring him back, man? And this was without Drake London for a lot of it because he missed time with that groin injury. I mean, even the end of the game, like it was not Heineke. I forget who it was that actually dropped. It might have been, oh, it was Van Jefferson. Yeah, Van Jefferson dropped a fourth and one conversion that should have extended the drive. So again, we've seen Heineke. I know we're not going to be getting an all pro top 10 quarterback out here, but Hey, when the one terrible thing about Ritter is continuous turnovers and he can't stop it, man, he got all this talent around here. I don't know how they go back to Ritter at this point, but I also wouldn't put it past Arthur Smith. Yeah, it seems like they're going to go back to him <laughs> just by the comments after the game. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm like you. I don't know. I can't I don't want to even pretend to predict Arthur Smith, but just newsflash, Arthur, you're not winning games. You're not winning games. I know that you know better than everybody and you have all the film. You've got better film than we do and you grind the film. So look, we're just going to give a, a hat tip to you. But we talked about this a little bit in the offseason. We said, we know it's gross, but the break glass in case of emergency is that if Ritter sucks, at least maybe they put Heineke in. And we had stretches last year where Heineke was supporting two top 24 or two top 36 wide receivers multiple times for the commanders with Dotson and McLaurin. So if we could have a scenario where he does continue to play and you've got Drake London and Kyle Pitts healthy, there's a chance both of these guys could really come through. And they've already performed you know, better over the last you know, few weeks. I know Pitts had a little bit of a down game today. Um, the only other thing I really have here, though, on the Falcons, Ian, and then you can hit whatever you have, yeah. is with London getting hurt, it was Van Jefferson that came on 79% of the routes today, 15% targets. Not going to get too excited about him. I think the biggest, you know, winner here, if for some reason we don't like players getting hurt, so I hate to even say winner, but 
if we're gonna have some time without London, I do think Pitts is the main guy that, that gets more of the work. And then I would probably put Janu behind him and then maybe Van Jefferson. <laughs> maybe he comes up with a deep catch or something like that for a touchdown. But I think Pitts is the guy that we can just probably move up a little bit in the ranks if we have to go a few weeks without Drake London. We did get uh, early on a trick play that featured Johnu Smith throwing a pass to Michael Pruitt. Yeah. That one, uh, that one broke my heart a little bit there. As someone that did draft Kyle Pitts, uh, probably a few more times than I showed this offseason. And final note is that Bijan Robinson first NFL rushing touchdown back to his usual bell cow seventy three percent snap roll. Yes, we're still getting plenty of Tyler Algier. Honestly, the only shitty thing for Bijan was he did not catch a single one of his five targets out there. Usually, don't see that out of a running back. Not saying they were layups, but hey, just. It's good to see Bijan not, you know, in the doghouse, not dealing with a headache, not dealing with whatever the hell was going on back in week seven. Saints took down the Colts 38 to 27, covering as two point favorites. The overcash at 43 and a half. Just by far, I think Derek Carr's best game of the season. And I know the Colts haven't exactly trotted out the world's best pass defense week in and week out, but man, has some dimes out there, especially to Rashid Shahid, who he just continues to save seemingly his best passes for. So look, it's not like all these air yards to Alave are just, you know, complete wide open layups that he's missing one after another. I do think a good amount of these fall under the prayer yards category where guess what? There wasn't a ton of separation in the first place. And no, Carr's not exactly putting on a dime either, but I'm not trying to make this out to be the 100% Derek Carr show, especially when he goes out there and puts forward a game like this one. Again, truly good stuff. And those dimes for Shisha Heat were objectively awesome. That said, Dwayne, now since Alvin Kamara has returned, turned in a uh, week four it's a lava and alvin kamara atop the pack pecking order they both have 44 targets then there's michael thomas with 35 then there's rashid shahid at 24 but the exact opposite order is how many receiving yards they actually have Alave on his own damn team Dwayne is fourth in receiving yards since week four and that for me hurts to say out loud so here we are another week with more of these unrealized air yards what are we doing about it, Dwayne? Because yeah, man, I know uh, it hurts. I know it's frustrating, but I—I I mean, I just—I'm tripling down. Um, I—I <laughs> I, I just don't know what else to do about it. Like he is earning targets. I agree with you; they're not all perfect. I do think some of them fall under prayer yards. But here's the thing, David Carr, or sorry, David. Derek Carr, <laughs> Derek, David, going way back. 353 yards, 301 yards, 310 yards. Those are his passing yards over the last three games. You tell me I'm going to get to have a player on an offense that's going to get somewhere between 26 and 30% of those targets every week. I'm just going to take it. I'm, I am really assuming regression is going to hit and we're going to have a top 12 wide receiver. The other thing is like, we just know Alave is good. He was really good in college. He played well as a rookie. He's playing well now. He's earning targets. I know it hasn't gone exactly his way. But I, I would find, you know, I would be fine, like kicking the tires on the Alave manager that's just finally like, I know he's good, too, but I can't handle it anymore. I just want to trade him away. Like, I would be happy to trade for him. I, I understand the pain because, <laughs> believe me, I'm there. But there's just too much underlying data that still says Alave is going to get there. And so I'm, I'm sticking with it, Ian. Let's triple down. Let's triple down. I'm with you, Dwayne, because again, there's just not, now that the quarterback part of the equation is seemingly getting better, you would just really like to think that it's going to come around sooner rather than later. If we had seen Alave go out here today and just seemingly lose the trust of Derek Carr and, you know, kick around a couple of targets, that'd be one thing. Not when he is, again, leading the team in targets, and it's not even particularly close with him doing that. So, has not been great times, everybody, but maybe, just maybe, we get a matchup in week nine against, you know, one of the worst defenses in the 
league. Maybe we get to go back home into the Superdome, Dwayne. Maybe it's Saints with the Bears visiting in week <laughs> nine. Lock it up. We'll get the bounce back then. And if not, you didn't hear it from me. Rest of the stuff on the Saints, Alvin Kamara, another two-touchdown game. Just keeping on, keeping on. Not putting forward all that grave efficiency as a rusher. Doesn't matter when you get all the touches in the world. So, did see, you know, Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller combined for 37% of the snaps, but 17 carries and five targets. Tough to complain about that, Dwayne. And could have even had a three-touchdown day. Got stopped just short of the goal line on one occasion where none other than Taysom Hill got to go score one of his two touchdowns on the afternoon. So, we've now had three straight pretty damn good games from Taysom Hill Dwayne the difference with this one was the return of Jawan Johnson seemed to sap some of that you know pass down role we were having in weeks six and seven he was still out there man 44 percent really? route participation wow. yeah so he didn't have the same number of targets he only had one target for one catch for 14 yards today but he's also getting the rushing attempts nine for 63 and two t's so Jamal Williams is dead Jamal Williams like has been canceled. He's over. And uh, let's be honest, Taysom's good down there, man. When you give Taysom Hill the ball inside the five yard line, like there's a really good chance he's going to score for you. He is a, he is just a tough runner down inside the five yard. That's the worst part about trying to complain about his usage from a fantasy standpoint, Dwayne. Cause like, he's really good at the job. I get that. He's really freaking good at what he does that alpha jackhammer video. Like he's the man, John Madden would freaking love this guy. He's Tim Tebow is what it reminds me of that. It just reminds me of Tebow back in the day at Florida. Like he's, he's not, he's, he's athletic. He's kind of fast, but he's not a blazer. He's just, he's tough as shit, man. And he don't care. Like he is going to go hard. So run you over with a smile on his face. Yeah. 21.5 fantasy points today. So him, him staying integrated. Cause I was like you, the first thing I went and looked at was the routes because I saw oh, only one target. I bet it went away. Cause Joan Johnson was back. No, but we had Jimmy, Jimmy Graham was inactive today. They scratched Jimmy Graham to keep Taysom Hill engaged in the passing game and he's getting more work than foster moreau so he's really the tight end two he's the qb two and he's the running back two i think you're going to continue to get fantasy points from Taysom hill man i bet the ffpc just has so many people pissed right now because remember <laughs> after people had finished their drafts when the nfl changed the position from him from tight end to quarterback and everybody had been drafting him as a tight end uh, i bet they're catching a lot of heat right now so when we look at it, Dwayne, it sounds like he can potentially keep us up a bit. We're gonna. Have oh, to- dude, I think I think he's a I think he's a borderline mid range tight end one right now. If you're getting to play him as a tight end, I was about. Dude, to he say- scored more fantasy points than Derek Carr today, and Derek Carr <laughs> threw for 310 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Like when we start talking about him versus the Logan Thomases, the John Who Smiths, the Cole Komets, even the Michael Mayers and the Higbies of the world, like I'm, I'm thinking yes over all of them. You know, yeah, there's just yeah, yeah too much upside now, and and and. Getting the work in the passing game, as long as that sticks, then he's got all the outs. He's got all the outs, and he's a good player. I still feel like Kincaid, Ferguson, like Ingram. I want those guys because they they have full time roles, and you know above average. Even McBride, like we'll we'll talk about him in a bit. McBride's tougher. I think I think it's I think it's close with Taysom and Ferguson and and McBride. I think if you're asking me just which one has the most ceiling, it's Mm -hmm. probably Taysom because if he has a chance to score one rushing touchdown a game. And then just at least he has a shot like to catch a few balls and maybe throw a pass. It's just, he's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for him to not be a top 12 tight end. And he just has a lot of upside. Like today, I mean, 21.5 points. Like you're loving that out of your tight end. Like he caught 15 passes already this year in pretty much two weeks, man. Like this didn't happen. And his previous (laughs) like five seasons 
We're talking about 43 catches. Like that was the most gimmicky part about his game. That's why I always bitched a million about him being called a tight end because he was pretty much just a ball carrier or a passer nine times out of 10. I really thought, Dwayne, the way to unlocking that superhuman value in fantasy was almost only going to be through injuries at quarterback where we end up just getting a cheat code quarterback that we call a tight end for some reason. Taysom Hill just continuing to soak up uh, hours. Mojo did ask. He says, hey, it's a good question. He says, TD dependent tight end is a mid tight end one. Yeah, but this is not just dependent on catching a touchdown. He can run for one. He can throw for one. He can catch one. And he gets a chance to get yardage in all of those facets. So when we think about a low-end tight end one, that's really a touchdown-dependent tight end one. I think he's one level above that because he has so many avenues to getting the ball. And he can give you these blow-up games where he can score multiple touchdowns multiple ways. So I, I do think you have to look at Taysom Hill as having that mid-range tight end one upside. It's fine if you want to grade him like that low-end tight end one. I think that's probably fair, but there's just a lot of avenues here for him. For me, it's just making life a lot easier because usually we were hoping for that touchdown, like three or four combined carries and targets. I mean, over these past three weeks, when we got that distinct role change that is now keeping, we're talking about nine combined carries and targets, 10. And then today, another 10 out there. So it's almost yeah, double man. the opportunity. And we'll take those targets in full PPR eight days of the week. So very good stuff on the Saints side of the ball. Yeah, getting, you know, another pretty cozy matchup there with the QBs. We get just a couple more weeks, guys, of that Saints. DST in Fantasyland. But yeah, overall, good stuff for your four and four Saints. I think that's all I had on that side of the ball. Over with the Colts, Dwayne. Again, Gardner Minshew has had some problems, you know, here with turnovers. Only had the uh, one interception today, but just struggled, you know, to kind of consistently, I guess, lead things down. But at the end of the day, 27 points against the Saints. Tough to be overly mad about that, especially when he continues to force feed our two main guys, Michael Pittman and Josh Downs. With Minshew under center now, Michael Pittman has 55 targets. Josh Downs has 42 and way back in third place is Alex. Alec Pierce with 24. So again, Pittman, certainly someone's going to help you more in full PPR with that eight catch 40 yard stat line did score a touchdown, but Josh Downs as well, Dwayne becoming someone that is almost going to be a staple here at bye weeks in the wide receiver three range. Yeah. I mean, I think it's beyond bye weeks. Like I just think Ooh. Josh Downs is a wide receiver three staple. Um, he's just, he's done too much, man. Like he scores, he's in the double digits every single week. He's going to give you a shot at 15 points every week. And he's still going to give you some of these blow up games. Are Not you saying? Up, but... Are you saying that you're downs with the sickness? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I am. Um, Sorry. So that, I, I, no, no, you're good. I don't have anything else on the Colts other than like just a quick, you know, update on this uh, on this backfield split. It's kind of it's leveled off, really, Ian. Um, we did have 61 percent of the snaps today to Taylor, so a slight lead over Moss at 39 percent. But the main thing we care about are those opportunities. And it was 12 attempts for Taylor and 11 for Moss. So that's really where it's been. Those two guys over the last three games, almost splitting the work in the backfield 50-50. It's frustrating because when you watch it, you're like, man, if Taylor was getting this work, he would be a top six running back, maybe a top three running back. We're talking about a guy. Yeah. Dude, he would be giving you 120 yards and a touchdown every week. That's that's what you would be getting right now from Jonathan Taylor. But it is what it is. Moss continues to play good, and as long as he does that, I don't think they're going to force it with Taylor. I know we had originally hoped maybe Taylor gets to 65% of the rushing attempts, 60%. Not quite there. He's a little bit below that still. I don't know that we can hope that he goes much higher than this without a, without a performance dip or an injury to Moss.
And that's the thing. We had an injury this week. Moss didn't practice on Wednesday yeah. or Friday with elbow and heel issues. And like even going into the game, we kind of had the caveat, like as long as, you know, the pregame warmup goes okay. So it is starting to, again, trend towards Taylor just a little bit, but certainly not enough for us to feel good about that top three upside that we all know he has, as Dwayne mentioned. So on the season now, they're even at 4.7 yards per carry. Taylor's got much higher marks in yards after contact, which I think does reflect the eye test. But even that said, Zach Moss still going out there and doing some good things he had one nice chunk run in particular today that was very nice and even weasel his way across the goal line on another one so zach moss Dwayne, you know i'm thinking about for my uh, topical article this week doing like mid-season fantasy mvps and him and puka and just a couple of these guys that weren't even being drafted gonna be really tough to keep out of that top spot at least for the mid-season yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, Puka is above him, but there's a yeah. there's a ton of great candidates this year. I mean, I think Adam Thielen has to be in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was a later round pick. I mean, there's just so many guys right now. I, I honestly, I tried to think about this really hard the other day because we can get caught in like hyperbole, right? Just like, oh my god, this is the most ever of this thing, and I really do think this is the most breakout players from super late that I can remember that have been so good. Cause you have Kyron who's now been hurt. You've got Puka, you've got Adam Thielen. A-chan was on that list. Obviously we haven't had him for the last several games. We're going to get him back, mm -hmm. but there's just, I mean, I'm talking true like breakout performance league winning, like guys, you can't keep out of your lineup. No, right. no, no way, no shape, no form. Like Moss isn't quite in that group, but obviously like you've been super glad to have him. And before Jonathan Taylor came back. Yeah. I mean, he was winning you games. Dolphins took down the Patriots 31 to 17, covering as eight and a half point favorites. The over did cash at 46 and a half to a now six and oh all time against Bill Belichick's evil empire. Not too shabby. Went out there today. Yeah, he did have one pick early, but overall also had to deal with a week high four drops and got both for once Dwayne Tyreek and Jalen Waddle going. Three of those drops did go to Jalen Waddle. So when you see seven catches, a buck 21 and a touchdown, could have been even. And bigger for the one who waddles but just good to see that happen again it's one of these things him and even Devonte smith who we'll talk about in a little bit how many weeks will we sit here Dwayne, and say it sucks don't panic still a really good football player still in a really good passing game the mm -hmm. booms will come the booms finally came for Jalen waddle so great to see that Great to see Tyreek keeping on, keeping on as well. The chase for 2K, now on pace for 2,154 yards on the uh, red zone graphic. They actually showed like the fastest, you know, receivers to ever reach this, uh, you know, 1,000 yards in a season. And it was Tyreek and a bunch of dudes whose names I have barely heard about because they all played pre-1960, which kind of made me wonder how those dudes were putting up those big of passing game numbers back then. But that's something to go study in February or something like that. So two is on pace to throw for 44 touchdowns. You know, one topic was that maybe his touchdown rate through the air could decline. That's gone up. So, you know, Mike McDaniel doesn't believe in regression, which is always fun. Honestly, Dwayne, like Raheem Mostert kind of saved a day in a short touchdown. I don't have too much here other than just like, yeah, continues to be a really freaking good offense more weeks than not. Yeah, nothing really to add other than, you know, Wilson had 25% of the snaps, but Salvin Ahmed was still un involved as well. So I don't know how much Wilson's role can really expand before HN gets back because we, I believe, what are we, one more week away from that? Um, I, so. I think next week will be the fourth week that HN will have been on IR, assuming he's ready to go right, right when he comes off. Um, and then just real quickly on Waddle, like these target shares over the last four games 36%, 30%, 
19%, but that game, he was only out there 44% because of his back. He was having issues. His targets per route run that game, 38%. And then today you had a 27% target share. So Waddle was really due. Like he has been so due for a big fantasy <laughs> performance, came through with 25.1 fantasy points today. The beauty of it is like, it's not something where you just expect him to like drop back off after this. He can give you plenty of more games like this as long as he's healthy because it's just really about those two players and the passing game. There's not a lot of other competition for targets. So we should have more weeks in the future where Waddle can be closer to Tyreek. Obviously, Tyreek's the main dude, but Waddle is going to give you a lot more big performances down the stretch. On the other side of the ball, Patriots have been doing a lot of good things over the past few weeks, so don't want to come down too harshly on the guys, especially when Mac Jones did have to deal with two of his starting wide receivers going down, Devontae Parker with a head injury, I'm assuming concussion, and then Kendrick Bourne got ruled out with a knee injury. Did get a report, I believe, from Ian Rappaport, who said based on the initial diagnosis, the hope is it's an MCL injury, but the MRI will tell all. So it certainly seems like something, Dwayne, that even if it's not going to be of the season-ending variety, fingers crossed. It's not could be something that keeps born out of the picture for a little bit, which really sucks, man. He went out there and scored a touchdown today. I mean, this wasn't a game with Juju and it looked like he was just keeping on, keeping on as number one in New England. So if you take born out of the picture, man, at that point, it becomes pretty much Ramondre Stevenson and everyone else. As fun as the Hunter Henry experiment, not experiment, I guess the era will call it overall tight end one weeks, one through week two. What a time to be alive, baby. But over the past few weeks, we have seen Mike Jasicki actually outproduce and run more routes than Henry with Triple H playing through the pain. So at this point, Dwayne, if Kendrick Bourne's going to be out of the picture, is it literally just Ramondre Stevenson, you know, this mid to low end RB2 and that's it in New England? Yeah, Ramondre is still pretty much in the same role, even though only he only had seven fantasy points this week, but the targets were there again, 14%, slightly down. He had been at 20, 21% of the last two weeks, but 14% target share is really good for a running back or it's decent. It's good. Not really good. Really good is like 20%. But DeMario Douglas is the other name to remember here. We did have Juju back. You mentioned that 34% route participation for him, but it was DeMario Douglas that led the team. And this has been a trend that has been coming. DeMario Douglas carved out a little bit bigger role than, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Then he had an injury. I believe it was a concussion. So he missed a game. Then when he came back last week, he had a season high. And route participation this week was even higher, 84% route participation. He had seven targets. That was a 25% target share, five receptions, only 25 yards as ADOT was really low today at 2.3, but they have used him. You know, he's been a guy they use underneath the coverage, but it hasn't been that low. So I don't think he's just a pure gimmick player. Um, he's a smaller guy. He's like 5'8", but he's someone that they really want to get involved in the offense. So I think Douglas, if you're in a really deep league or even just a deeper league period, I do think Douglas is a guy in PPR leagues that you're going to want to look at. Good call there. Really could see him, I mean, replacing Borm with it. I mean, we did have, you know, Juju go out there and make a catch or two down the stretch, but just certainly doesn't seem, seems like a show of the guy he was in KC last year, Dwayne, from the few times we kind of seen him out there. And even the guy in KC seemed like a bit of a show from the guy we saw back in Pittsburgh, you know, back in 2018 or so. So maybe he keeps on, you know, getting healthier as the season goes on. But yeah, right now, Demario Douglas or more likely. Yeah, Douglas. Just know. One nice thing on him is like for the season, like he's been good from a targets per route run yeah. standpoint. It hasn't, it's not like, oh, we just saw this one little flash. So when he's been out there, like he's been consistently good this season from a, from a target earning ability. So his targets per route run on the season, 26% now. So that's, that's solid. We can, we can work with that. 
Next up, we had the New York football Jets take down the Giants 13-10 to 10 in overtime. It pushed with the Jets sitting as three-point favorites. The under of just 34 still cash with ease. So shout-out Zach Wilson on the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Only had 24 seconds, completed two passes for 58 yards, and clocked it with just one second to get them into overtime. But, yeah, man, this was pretty much Brees Hall busting an absolutely nasty 50-yard checkdown into a score like honestly one probably the cooler yak plays i've seen in the season that was great garrett wilson converted 13 targets into seven catches for 100 yards and Dwayne, if we can get those two things every week i could give a single shit about the rest of the jets offense so again great win that's awesome zach wilson came up in the clutch but i mean come on there are 24 punts in this game let's not get too crazy yeah, we don't want to get crazy, but it's nice for Hall because even though he kind of got stuffed on the ground today, he had 12 carries but couldn't get a lot going, he was able to come through in the passing game. He had a 27% target share today with nine targets. That was second on the team behind Garrett Wilson, who you mentioned at 13. So he had 12 carries and nine targets. That's 21 opportunities. So even when things aren't working right in a weird game script, He's able to still hit to get to that number. And when you talk about his efficiency and ability to break a big play, man, Ian, like the last three games, 28.4, 20.3, and 21.3 PPR points. This is a high-end running back one at this point, even though we're dealing with a semi-dysfunctional offense. Yeah. I think it's one like it's not at the level, right, of some of the very worst offenses. It's like below average. This is a below average offense, but you can live in it if you're getting all the work, like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So Brees Hall, man, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, it's pretty hard to think of many running backs I would rather have than him the rest of the way. Like, I would rather have him over Bijan easily. I think I would take Eckler, right? I would take Christian McCaffrey. Those are the two locks. After that, I think Brees might be third on the list, ETN, man. Like, you'd probably take ETN. Yeah, ETN and Brees are close. I, I think I might prefer Brees, though. He just scores more touchdowns, but I, I, I wouldn't blame somebody. I, Kendall and I talked about this on SiriusXM last week, and I did say ETN slight edge overhaul because it's a better offense. So I should probably stick with that, but it, it's a that's an argument. Those two, it's an argument between those two because I do think that Brees Hall's the better player. So that was the Jets side of the ball. Again, guys, you remember how low this bar was even just a few weeks ago. So when I say, you know, shout out to Zach Wilson, like he still took four sacks. He still lost two fumbles out there. He still looked pretty rough for the majority of the afternoon, other than those 24 seconds at the end of the fourth quarter. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning football games in the NFL. So when him and Kenny Pickett play like trash, you know, for 50 minutes, but they pull out the win at the end, got to give them at least a flower or two out there. Over with the New York Giants had a bunch of injuries really just tear this game apart Tyrod Taylor got ruled out with a rib cage issue that took him to the hospital hope he gets soon Ty God although we did hear Daniel Jones could be back as early as this week as he continues to recover from that neck injury also had team leader in receiving yards Darren Waller get ruled out with a hamstring injury and yeah by team leader I mean he had one catch for four yards Dwayne the Giants as a team caught six passes for seven yards when you include sacks as negative passing yards as the NFL does they actually finished with negative nine passing yards so i understand that uh daniel jones is their starter and they were down to number three quarterback tommy devito but man like for devito to go out there and throw for negative one yard i mean kendall hinton went out there and got 13 Dwayne, we couldn't even get kendall hinton level of uh offensive passing production in new york today that's uh that's not great i know the offensive line remains banged up i know you're on your third string quarterback but my god man this was the worst offense performance, I think, of the season. 
Yeah, and it's hard to grade it overall. The main thing we need to know for fantasy purposes is when will the offensive line be back and when will Daniel Jones be healthy? And yeah. we don't know the answer to either of those questions, so it's really hard to say much about any of these you know, players. Barkley's out there 90% of the snaps. 39 touches? He somehow came, yeah, I mean, 39 touches to get to 15.8 fantasy points. Uh, like that, that's the world we're living in right now. So outside of Barkley, you're not touching any of these guys. Now, once you get Daniel Jones back, you get the offensive line healthy. Maybe there can be some value there later in the season, but none of them are, we're going to be looking at any of them as like a league winner other than Barkley if this offense is fully healthy. Are we going to have to watch the Giants do this to Saquon when they're like, three and freaking 12 with Tommy freaking DeVito under quarterback and week 16, man, like Saquon should literally just like peace out and flip them off, pull a, uh, you know, Earl Thomas on the cart back in the day. Yeah, man, it, this is brutal. I, I, I don't know. Like, let's, let's just get the, let's just get the starters out there to be healthy. We're going to, this is rough, man. We have so many really bad backup quarterbacks running offenses now. It is. And, and it's, it, it's getting the numbers getting larger. It is. All right. Get better. Tyrod, get better. Daniel Jones and get better at football. Tommy DeVito. All right. Moving right along. Jaguars took down the Steelers 20 to 10. Jacksonville covered us two and a half point favorites. The under cash at 41 and the Jaguars will now be heading to their week nine bye after capturing five W's during the month of October. Dwayne really does feel like for a team that, I mean, just I feel like the Jaguars haven't like hit their full stride. We saw their defense have a lot of problems in the first month of the season without, you know, that just highly touted pass rush, quite living up to expectations. And then just the offense, you know, from one week to the next, haven't exactly, you know, seen Ridley and, you know, Lawrence and Kirk just all completely mesh in the same game. And even though we didn't necessarily get that here over the course of 60 minutes, like the fact that Jaguars team is six and two, and I feel like we haven't even seen them fully mesh yet. Scary, scary team out there, man. So, and this one in particular, I mean, it was Evan Ingram, 10 catches, 88 yards. He now has an NFL high. I believe it's 63 targets without a touchdown. The other two guys that were up there going into this week were Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins. So, yes, uh, Ingram is very much due. Also got Calvin Ridley, six catches, 83 yards, end up being the dud game for Christian Kirk. So, Dwayne, we have had Zay Jones out of the picture, which is obviously just helping condense things with these wide receivers. But that's kind of what we have in Jacksonville at this point. It's similar, almost like maybe a middle-class man's version of like the Philly or San Francisco offenses where the passing game has three key parties in Kirk, Ridley, and Ingram, and not every single week are all three going to ball out. Yeah, that's a great synopsis. I mean, this week, Ridley was more involved than Christian Kirk. The last weeks before this has been more Christian Kirk. Basically, Trevor Lawrence can drop back and he can just go where the read takes him. He does not have to force it to any one of them. They are all good players, so whatever the coverage dictates, that's what he is going to do. We saw Tom Brady do that for years, and it can be frustrating at times for fantasy managers. You honestly just kind of have to keep starting these players. Um, I did bench Ridley in a couple of spots this week, but it's like when I had someone clearly that I felt good about putting in like an Adam Thielen, right? And I, and I was willing to plug those guys in over Ridley. But for the most part, I think he's still a wide receiver three on most teams. He, I thought he was about to have a really big day. Like he started off yeah. strong in the first half. Just quick note here to your point on Travis Etienne, man, <laughs> fantasy performances over the last four games, 36.4 points, 23.3, 22.7. And today, 25.9 snap shares over 80% in all of those games carrying over 60% of the team's rushing attempts. in all of those games had 80% of them today, 
starting to break more of the long runs. You know, we were not getting those early in the season. Um, early in the season, like his percentage of carries going for 10-plus yards, 5.6%, zero, zero. Last four games, 15.4, 5.6, 14.3, 12.5. So he's starting to find that extra gear. Um, and we had talked about it earlier in the season. Like it looked like it was there, but it just hadn't quite worked out yet for him. Um, and he's out there on all the passing plays. So this is just, you can't ask for a much better situation than what Travis Etienne is playing in. And if he continues to really ramp up the efficiency, then yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, top three back the rest of the way, top three, top four. I, I, I do agree with you. I think I put him one notch ahead of Brees, but it's it's CMC, Eckler, Etienne, and then it's Brees Hall. And I think you, you I mean, maybe you even make an argument for Etienne at, at number two, but it's those, those four are all getting the usage and they're playing well. ETN now on pace for 378 touches, 1,804 yards, not one, not two, not three, 17 freaking touchdowns out there. Would have taken me a minute to get all that out of there. Caught a 56-yard touchdown today. It was on a streak downfield. It was more of a blown coverage than anything, but you know what? You still got to be pretty good at football to run a streak and catch the pass and go to the house, especially in some rain. But yeah, when you lose Minka Fitzpatrick to an early hamstring injury, I think that's kind of what was showing up on film there. So yeah, man uh Dwayne I do think as badly as it hurts to uh, be under owned to uh Travis Etienne this year I can guarantee you man we're not going to wait until August to have our podcast about guys that were afraid of being lower exposed on we can uh kick that one off you know maybe March this next year and uh try to get ahead on things like Mr. Etienne and maybe just next time I mention uh you know guys like your Michael Hasty or third round rookie Tank Bigsby who lost a fumble here maybe you just you know get a plane ride over to Ohio and you know, throw a stick at me or something to tell me to snap out of it so enough beating ourselves up with that one let's move on to this pittsburgh steelers team and yet more injuries to be concerned with here kenny pickett suffered a rib injury and we actually had adam schefter recently say that his status for thursday night's game is up in the air against the titans the team will see how he's feeling monday to get a further idea of his availability so at a minimum Dwayne doesn't seem like we're dealing with something that's going to keep him out too long i'll be at thursday night obviously a quick turnaround all that said man like are we really changing the ranks all that much for anyone here if we go from Pickett to Trubisky like it's sad to say that but probably not you're just hoping for 225 yards passing and that all of that goes to Deontay Johnson and George Pickens <laughs> like I mean that's that's really where we're at that's what it comes down uh, to Deontay Johnson had 100% route participation today despite you know that little bit of a you know we were we had a scare an injury scare I never heard what it was I just saw I a just, medical tent I was going to ask you if you knew what it was yeah I heard that like he was trying to get off the field and he needed help blah 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 once he got to the sideline to get to the tent and I was like damn it like he re-aggravated the hamstring but he did not miss any of the passing plays missed a few snaps 91% of the snaps but he was out there for all the passing plays they're like we 35. can't throw the ball hold on we'll just run it till Deontay's back <laughs> 35% target share 14 targets 8 receptions and man, I know you can probably tell folks, Ian, how it could have been a bigger day, but right away, right off the gate, he had, I don't know if it was a touchdown, but definitely a chunk play, a kind of a seam, seam route yeah. type pass where it was just off the tips of his fingertips. The pass looked a little high, but one that sometimes you'll see Deontay Johnson still come down with. But when I was watching Johnson today, it was just the classic route running stuff. Like he had people turned around. He was open a lot. I mean, obviously when you get 14 targets, that's an indicator that you were probably open a lot, uh, especially when you got a guy like George Pickens playing with you that's also been really good lately. Um, Pickens had a little bit of a step back, but I think he's still going to be fine, Ian. It's just one of those games where Deontay was out there earning so many targets. It's, it's going to happen. Pickens still had five targets, but only one of them 
ended up being a reception. Thank goodness it was for 22 yards for a touchdown. So he kept you from uh, just having a terrible day in the fantasy box score. But we'll, we'll, we'll see better days from Pickens ahead. You mentioned the initial miss on a scene. We also probably should have gotten the first touchdown in like literally 660 plus days at this point. I believe it was one of those drags for when zone you're supposed to sit. And Deontay tried to sit. Pickett saw he was sitting. The problem was Deontay slipped. Otherwise, would have been an yeah. easy five-yard touchdown. It's one of those Is things where... Pick? What did that one end up being a pick? No, it just went out. He fell. That was a pick. Yeah, I was just, yeah. I mean, look, I know on some of these, it's like, you know, Ian, what the hell do you know? You don't know the playbook, but you can really tell a lot from the players' reactions. And when both Deontay and Pickett like aren't yelling at anyone, they're just like putting their hands on their heads, like, oh, we almost had it. I think uh, you can kind of put two and two together sometimes. So I mentioned the uh, unrealized air, air yards leaderboard, and Deontay Johnson at 113 and George Pickens at 107 were number four and number five this week. So whether it's Pickett, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky, all sorts of downfield opportunity for both of them just couldn't quite capitalize on it in this one. So yeah, Deontay, 11 targets in the first have ended up giving us you know those 16 point just this is like the ultimate deontay johnson game to win you get 16 and a half ppr points you have like 10 plus targets and you're still like oh almost man it could have been huge but hey we'll take that it is fuel because there is a hive there's a small hive that's like oh deontay earns targets but he sucks it doesn't matter like he can't do anything with him the one note i would give on deontay that is interesting now it hasn't played out because we've got the the accuracy issues with the quarterback i mean it's funny like Kenny Pickett, like when you look at his overall completion rate, you're like, oh, it's fine. Like, how are we not getting more catches for a guy like Deontay? But it's that 12.4 average depth of the target on the season. That's really good. Like we've had seasons where he's well below that. Yeah. So I, I think that there is an opportunity here for Deontay to still really be valuable to fantasy teams down the stretch. I would still prefer Pickett over Mitchell Trubisky just because we're, we're hoping, right, that Kenny Pickett could still blossom. I think we know that Trubisky's probably not. Now Trubisky's like, oh, no, man, you know, I'm going to do my Geno Smith thing. <laughs> Whatever. We'll take it either way. But bottom line, Deontay Johnson was balling today. Only other notes, George Pickens had one catch, but it was a very cool catch. 22-yard touchdown included him breaking a tackle and, you know, somewhat hurling a guy. So I wanted to shout that out. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris continue to split right down the middle. Going to be tough to see either guy becoming anything close to a must-start option as long as this persists. Don't cut them because, God forbid, you do. You know that'll be the week that one of them go down and the other one becomes a weekly must-start RB1. But, yeah, with the scoring upside and just with the literal 50-50 split usage, tough to overly hang our hat on either guy at this point in time last thing i want to ask you Dwayne, because again usually like you know tuesday get my cup of coffee go over to fantasylife.com i read just your brilliant award-winning internationally acclaimed utilization report and when i'm done with that i like going through the game logs and just going through team by team position by position quickly looking through it seeing if there's been any noticeable changes that we didn't already talk about and the one that stuck out to me last week when i got to pittsburgh was connor hayward with a 96 percent route rate at tight end and now today i look at the box score and i see five catches for 24 yards on a respectable six targets is connor hayward the every down tight end in pittsburgh right now joined with pat frymouth on ir yeah until we get him back 82 percent. but hayward's really more like a an h back yeah but he's that he's that blend of a fullback tight end kind of like chick, more of a tight end to Taysom hill though so i'll take it <laughs> yeah uh well i think it's fine like if if you're like in a super deep league and you're just looking for a bi-week filler because it's just absolutely nasty i mean you i guess you could put hayward I, I said fine it's not fine i guess you could use him six targets five receptions today but yeah he is he's the guy getting all the work right now while farmuth is out 
Moving right along, everybody. We had the Eagles take down the Commanders 38 to 31. Eagles did push as seven point favorites. The overcash with ease, though, at 42 and a half. Another really nice game from Jalen Hurts as a passer. And I mean, look, it's like the Eagles, they're seven and one. They've been just fine. I don't think their fans are panicking, nor should they have been panicking. But just over the first month of the season, changing offensive coordinators who just didn't see this passing game looking all that incredible. And then we had that Jets game where he throws the three picks. And even against some backups, didn't quite know what was going on. But first the Miami game, and now this one out here, truly looking great. And you know what, Dwayne? Sometimes looking great is as easy as throwing the ball in the general vicinity of A.J. Brown. I mean, the streak this guy is on right now is absolutely ludicrous. Caught all eight of his targets today for 130 yards and two scores. Now the only player in NFL history with six straight games with 125 or more yards. But as I kind of spoiled in the Dolphins section, wasn't just the AG, AJB show today also got Devontae Smith seven catches 99 yards and a tutty himself so literally man 15 targets to those guys and they caught all 15 of them anyone's short list of the best wide receiver duo in the league you know kudos to them ballers are balling Goddard yeah, dud here. They can't all ball out in the same week. DeAndre Swift got a touchdown on a fake tush push. They end up doing a little end around. Awesome little variation of that. Anything here, Dwayne? Or are we just, again, very excited to have a bunch of Eagles on our fantasy teams, hopefully? Yeah, we're just excited. 38.5 and 33 fantasy points in his two matchups with uh, the Commanders. Cool. This Like A.J. Brown. Uh, I, I put the tweet out last week about how he has a 50% target share against man coverage <laughs> uh, and the second most man coverage in the league uh, as far as like percentage wise, it's the commanders. And we saw DJ Moore. I tweeted it out too. And I put, remember the DJ Moore game and Trey Young, the Hawks uh, basketball player responded to me. He's like, the funniest part about this tweet is you could have just said the last AJ Brown game. I'm like, Good point. I could have just said the last AJ <laughs> Brown game. So yeah, I That's got punked by uh, Trey Young, but you know, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Wait, the Trey Young responded to your tweet. Oh yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Why didn't you show me this? <laughs> I just forgot about it. Damn. Can you just pause? I want to find this now. All right. I'll just, I'll, I'll try to be <laughs> a need me to keep talking. Yeah, no, we, no that's okay. Dwayne. Yo, seriously. Show me that later though. That is freaking hilarious on the weekends, man. I just try to unplug a little bit. So I, I miss stuff like that sometimes. So that's on me. I got to be more attuned with uh, every single tweet you send at every single hour of the day. Final note here is that uh, AJ Brown almost had an even bigger game. 32 yard touchdown, one handed attempt. couldn't quite haul it in, but did draw a defensive pass interference down the one yard line where for one, once the, you know, brotherly shove did not work, Jalen Hurts actually fumbled and lost that one at the one-yard line. So, again, about six inches away from being a 45-point effort. Great, great, great game from Eagles Nation. Over at the Commanders, Dwayne, Sam Howe. Showing out, dude, 397 <laughs> passing yards, four touchdowns. But who cares about that? One sack all game. He had no sacks taken at halftime, man. And just, again, that was the problem here because we've talked about this. Hey, we don't lose points in fantasy for sacks. Like, who cares? But when you're taking, what was that pace for? 90 freaking seven at the end of last week. Yeah. Like, when you're doing as much as Against Howell, the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, like, and against the Eagles to not take this. I mean, it's just great to see because even for not losing fantasy points, obviously it's killing drives. Then we could lose fumbles from that. And we could ultimately lose confidence at, from Ron Rivera and Sam Howell in the first place. But man, you look up here and after week eight, after eight weeks now on pace for 4,560 passing yards, 28 touchdowns. He's chipping in to 15 plus rush yards per game. You talked about these late round breakouts, Dwayne. I'm not saying Howell's even going to finish top 12, but 
he's going to push for it, man. And for someone that was available around Dude. 16 or later, man, looking like a freaking gem. I, yeah, I'm so excited. Like we grabbed him on a lot of our teams where we had Deshaun and we were just like, yes, well, we probably God. do need somebody else. Cause he wasn't looking good. And then the injury and like, we've been pretty fortunate with Howell. like he can still give you these kind of gross games, but I mean, you, you hit on all the stuff right there. I'd like looked at the pace as well. Um, but I'll talk about the receivers a little bit here. Howell yeah. does look like a borderline QB one right now, especially with these injuries with Kirk cousins now out and, and some of the other things that we'll have to work our way through. I mean, it's, it's obviously how has been right there anyway, but yeah. with cousins out of, out of the picture now, Dak's been playing better. So, I mean, maybe we have Dak ahead of uh, Howell. obviously the matchups play a little bit here as well, but looking at these receivers, I do think it's still the same situation. It's still very spread out, but we had a game where Sam Howell throws for 400 yards. And so everybody got there. We, we had McLaurin give you 17.3 points. He had 12 targets, 24% target share. That tells you how often they threw the ball. You had 12 targets <laughs> and you only had a 24% target share. So you had 12 targets, but only five of those balls ended up, you know, turning into reception, 63 yards and a touchdown. So it could have been a bigger day for McLaurin. They weren't quite on the same page there. Um, also, there were some, some tight throws, but Dotson, 24.8 fantasy points today. How many? He had 10 targets. How many, Dwayne? 24. 24.8. He had I'll 10 targets. I'll take it again. I'll take it. I'll one. take it too. 20% <laughs> target share. But my point being is like, it didn't really change other than the big yardage that we got. Like the target shares of stuff say, freaking Jamison Crowder. We had Curtis Samuel get hurt. Jamison Crowder scored 22.5 fantasy points. He had seven targets, seven what catches, 95 yards for a touchdown. So essentially... Samuel's out didn't matter that that role was just immediately taken over by Crowder and he did his thing. Oh, by the way, Logan Thomas, eight targets, six catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. But the big thing here, I do think McLaurin is the guy Ian, that's shown us over the last several weeks. His target shares have been there. So we have this week, 23.5%, the week before 25%, the week before that 52%. So I think he's the one that we can obviously depend on the most. And he was the one that was drafted first on most of the teams he did. And he got the injury late in the preseason. We did see Jahan Dotson and, and McLaurin flip in, in ADP at one point, or they got really close together, but he does look like the guy that we can trust the most Dotson. He's been fine. Target shares 20% this week, 22% last week, but then there was a five, a 10, a 23, a 14. So he's more volatile. The last couple of games though, definitely in have been positive. I think it's just going to be a struggle when you get the 250 yard pass passing day. Then if you don't get the touchdown, when you spread this all out across these guys, I think McLaurin's kind of the only one where we can feel really comfortable about getting him out there. Now, having said all that, I will say this, and we've talked about it before. If we knew that Sam Howell was going to be this good, people would have been drafting Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson even earlier than they were this, this summer. Like Terry McLaurin was a fifth round pick and Jahan Dotson started off as a sixth. Then they got closer together. I know in some of your leagues, maybe you got Jahan Dotson around seven or eight. I'm talking like some of the more competitive leagues. That's where they were going. It would have been like Deontay Pickens plus almost. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Pickens went, you know, did move up towards the end because of his preseason. But the, if, if, you, if we would have told people that you're going to get 400-yard passing games from Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin might have been like a third-round pick. The biggest fear people had was, well, who's the quarterback? Right. So, I think it's interesting. I do think McLaurin's the main guy. Jahan Dotson did nice this week. I think it's still going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. But at least, at least 
the commanders are a pass first offense. Like their drop back rate over expectations, really good. They're in the top five of the league. So there's a lot of positives here. Um, there's just a lot of mouths to feed. It's going to be what well, you mentioned with Jacksonville earlier. Somebody's going to be the odd man out. There's going to be one or two players left out every week. And the weeks where you throw for 350 yards, everybody gets to eat. And the weeks where you throw for 225, 250, somebody's getting left out. With Dotson, again, not immediately expecting him to go for 100-plus in the tutty every game. But like we were talking about on the questions, Pod Dwayne, he had – we couldn't write him off because he still had the exact same role. He's had the exact same role all season long. So, again, just good to see there is still that sign of production in there. Are we immediately going to put him top 24? No, of course not. But, hey, someone that you at least can – you know, Dwayne, we had a couple lineups out there where he was in the wide receiver three. And I, I, slid it, I, slid it, I slid him into a couple others this morning, like I, uh, just – I was looking, it was like one versus JSN. I was like, man, yeah. just give me the guy I know is going to be out there more. And I stuck him in over JSN. Uh, I think we had one roster though that I looked at that had JSN in the game and had DeAndre Hopkins on the bench. And I just oh. left it. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's like really close. So I was like, oh, I don't know, man. If Malik Willis plays like even 30% of the snaps, I don't want to mess with Hopkins. Yeah. Whoops. That probably cost us a, a victory. That was, and that was like one of our $2,000 teams. So Great. sorry, Ian. Awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I, I answer a bunch of start sick questions from like noon to 1230 on uh, Sundays in the fantasy life discord. And I'd be happy to answer yours listening right now. If you want to go ahead and join our lovely community, but it is funny Joanne, cause I can answer 50 of them and you know, I'm sure I don't get 49 right. From, but let's say I did get 49, right? Like it's that one miss that one poor soul who I said to keep DeAndre Hopkins on the bench to that just eats me throughout. So again, I'm sure we made plenty of good start set decisions this week, but yeah, sitting there. You just uh, remember the bad ones sometimes. <laughs> so, and he scores the early touchdown. You're like, damn, they score the other one, like already kind of numb to it. And the third one is like, all right, come on. Like really at this point. So again, great stuff from everyone involved in Washington and even Jamison Crowder, man. And yes, he has been on Washington all year, guys. He's just only, this is the third game. He's actually gotten any sort of run at wide receiver. I actually remember it was week one or week two. He made like two or three guys miss on punt return, like to the point that I actually like stopped the film was like who is this guy because he just looked elusive as hell and i was like oh my god jameson crowder worked his way over to washington at some point so great stuff there again it did come purely because curtis samuel was ruled out with that toe injury so look i don't he's been already kind of dealing with this injury Dwayne, on the injury report so i'm not sure how serious it is it would take curtis samuel like hitting ir for crowder to really matter moving forward yes yeah you're not messing with him unless unless that's the case you know yeah if you're in a 14, 16 team or some of these screenshots that I get from some of you guys, I, I feel like I would never say yes to, to <laughs> Jamison Crowder, but there are some screenshots I've seen rest recently where I would probably say yes, just go ahead and pick him up and see if Curtis Samuel misses this week. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, for the most part, people are not going to want to mess with this. Quickly on this backfield, I found it... Uh sadly hilarious that they designed a wide receiver screen for brian robinson considering that's kind of been the whole point of antonio gibson for the last four years but uh yeah just pain over there i will say though Dwayne, i mean for a backfield that we talked about last week like seemed to be trying to get chris rodriguez involved he did not play a single offensive snap today it was the brian robinson show was partially that the washington commanders looking at jordan davis and company i think J jordan davis was hurt actually but were they looking at a very stout eagles front seven 
anyway, you know, independent of Jordan Davis and just saying, okay, Rodriguez, that's not the game plan we're trying to do. It's good news for Brian Robinson kind of regardless, but I'm just hesitant, Dwayne, to just completely uh, put Robinson back into that top, you know, 16, top 20. Certainly seems like he's still going to be one of these guys that kind of needs a game script to go his way more times than not to make ends meet. And, you know, I wouldn't even be shocked if Rodriguez is back in the rotation to an extent as recently as next week, as soon as next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew what you meant. Yeah. I think it's a game plan dependent thing. I okay. think it's game script. And I think it comes down to game script too. You know, I think, yeah, they jumped out, but they knew they were going to really need to keep the pedal to the metal to beat the Eagles. They they knew that the Eagles were going to make a run at them at the end. And so based on that, I think they wanted to be throwing the ball more. And so the few rush rushing attempts that they did have in the game, they just gave those to Brian Robinson. But I think in games where they want to run the ball more. You're going to see Chris Rodriguez come in and still still some of that work, which kind of stinks because in this kind of game, like you end up with 10 to 12 touches for Robinson, maybe 13, 14. And then in the games where they want to run the ball more, we could still be in that same scenario. So problematic right now for Brian Robinson, not looking good. Final two notes. Byron Kringle, also someone that plays for the Washington Commanders. I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize he was wide open deep for a potential 48-yard touchdown. Rare miss from Sam Howell. Was taking a hit as he threw it, to be fair. And yeah, Terry McLaurin, good game, but did have two registered drops and did have another potential 20-yard score just a hair too long. So yeah, keep an eye on that Curtis Samuel injury and otherwise just be uh, you know pretty happy for Sam Howell and company despite the L. Panthers took down the Texans. Congrats to Bryce Young on that first career W. 15 to 13. Panthers obviously covered us three and a half point dogs. The under cashed at 43. So Bryce, you know, I was looking at just some of the early uh, PFF grades and big time throws. Like I do think that they're going to back up what I saw out there. And that was, you know, his best effort as a pure passer. You know, there were a few moments out there where again, just narrowly couldn't quite, uh, you know, get it, uh, the bigger kind of counting numbers and everything did take six sacks out there like they scored 15 points i'm not trying to make more out of it than what it was but to adam Thielen, to jonathan mingo like we actually saw some just better tight window passes than i think were necessarily on tape over the first seven weeks so is bryce all of a sudden someone that gets super hyped about in fantasy land no but it was a nice step forward for a guy that hasn't been able to take many nice steps this season it's hilarious Dwayne, to me that it is week eight in 2023 adam Thielen scores 15.2 ppr points and i'm like eh, you know Really? That's that's all you had today? Like kind of a kind of a <laughs> mid effort. That's how freaking high the bar is at this point. Only 15.2 Dwayne, but they were impressive as hell, man. Like a good three or four of these were just full extension. Just only one spot to put it. And again, Bryce Young did, and Thielen went ahead and came down with it. So really in the receiver room, I think it's you know pretty similar to what we have seen. Adam Thielen PPR God and be thankful if you drafted him and or picked him up off the waiver wire. The real news, Dwayne, is Miles Sanders suddenly looking like the actual not RB2 but the RB3 in Carolina while Sanders did have 20% snap rate he got out touched by both Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear so this is a situation where they were coming off a bye they were coming off Sanders not even being listed with an injury designation going to the weekend I don't know what else to think about this Dwayne other than the fact that this really really looks like a committee that Miles Sanders is suddenly at the bottom of you also had the change in offensive uh, play calling duties turned over on this team. So I think that this is something that <laughs> looks like it could stick. It's weird. Miles very, Sanders is the guy weird. that they paid. 
I mean, no logic, no argument is safe in fantasy football. Oh, he got the contract. Doesn't matter. He could just get benched like we're seeing this now. Oh, he's the most talented player. Bijan Robinson doesn't matter. Going to keep him on the bench. Uh, he's got a good quarterback, but his quarterback sucks. Doesn't matter. We have these guys with bad quarterbacks coming out and playing well. Then you have other guys with bad quarterbacks, and they suck. Like, there's so many variables to fantasy. And, like, you want to line all these things up the best that you can, but they're just weird things that happen, and this is one of them. Now, we were never super – like Miles Sanders fans anyway, like here on this show. Like we, we kind of hated him, honestly. Yeah, we were down on him, but we did we never expected this much, right? No, and it was mainly no. due to his talent profile. We were yeah. like, you know, he was okay. He was just really in a good situation with the Eagles. Blah, 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 blah. We don't have to rehearse all those things or, or uh, relive all of those mm -hmm. comments. But Chuba does look like the main guy now. 66% of the snaps, 65% of the rushing attempts, 15 carries a day, plus two targets. Anytime you get a running back that's going to be, you know, in that 15, 18, 19 opportunity range, they're going to be in the RB2 conversation. Now we need the offense to take a step forward. You mentioned Bryce Young. Yeah, it wasn't a huge fantasy day for him, but he is starting to string at least some respectable games together. Ian, like he's looking more and more like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he still looks like a rookie. But this is an offense. You know, they get their first win today. Hat tip, hat tip to him on that. And I think it's one that he could just slowly get better and better as the season goes. And it could be enough to support maybe one more weapon. We know Thielen, to your point, he's getting his. But could it be Chuba Hubbard that's the one that gets it? This week, What all that work still wasn't enough. 7.4 fantasy points. But I would say right now, Hubbard, I'm going to move him into the running back three conversation. You know, I kind of like work people through a process. <laughs> if we just wanted to be all in and believe this data point and believe that it was true, if he got this utilization again next week, you would have to have him in the running back to, uh, you would have to rank him as a running back too. Looking at Trubo Hubbard, he did get just short of the goal line there um, and almost scored. Obviously couldn't quite do so. Was trying to find what exactly happened at the end of that drive. They actually got stuffed over there. Yeah, he uh, Dwayne, they gave him three straight carries from yeah. the five-yard line. That's what I was trying to find. So, no, it's not good when you get three straight carries inside the five, and then none of those carries go for a touchdown. That's one way how you can lose that goal line role. But it really does seem like Chuba now kind of has that lead role that we all kind of thought Sanders would have. So, I'm with you. Like, I thought it was going to go wrong for Sanders when he would kind of be a lead committee back who wasn't efficient in a bad offense, but I just didn't see him straight up losing his job like this. That is pretty wild, but that's just, you know. The only thing is if he is still really hurt. I know the shoulder injury. I know they yeah. didn't list him, but every team handles these injury things differently. So that could be the only still like little wild card that's still sitting there. Because they did pay him, but I, I do feel like all the other data points is if it's not an injury thing, you got the coordinator, not the coordinator change, but the play calling duties change. Then you get the bye week and now you come out and you get this. It, it does feel like this is Chuba's show now. Also, not that he's fantasy relevant, but touchdown number two on the year for our guy Tommy Trembles, Dwayne. Tommy Trembles. Hey, Tommy Trembles. Give me yeah. some Capicola, Mr. Tommy Trembles. <laughs> all right. Hey, yo, Tommy. <laughs> Texan side of the ball. Really, really big letdown here, man. A group that we really started to trust. They had, you know, the bye. They had Tank Dell get healthy. And just to see Stroud go out there, only a buck 40 through the air. No touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, only had an Andrew Beck lost fumble because we got to keep Andrew Beck as involved as possible, obviously. But again, just had high expectations for this Houston team. Going up against a banged up Panthers defense that wasn't even all that good when they were healthy. Just disappointing all around. 
around, man. That goes around to pretty much everyone. If you started a Houston Texan today, you were disappointed. I mean, Noah Brown led the freaking team in receiving yards for crying out loud. So really was especially sheeshful if you got, you know, the privilege of watching this, you know, 15 to 13 affair because Damian Pierce on two separate drives got down to the one yard line. The first time Andrew Beck, their fullback tight end extraordinaire, vultured the touchdown and the next one, CJ Stroud got the QB sneak after Pierce was short just again. So Singletary himself was just short. They actually hysterically tried to give Andrew Beck another touchdown after Singletary got stuff. That would have really just, you know, made me uh, throw something way too sharp on my TV. But luckily, that didn't happen. So just, again, Dwayne, I don't think too much changed here other than Damian Pierce's kind of taken back the backfield, but it's still not anywhere near as strong as we would like. More so than anything, again, with Stroud, with Nico, with Tank Dell, I'm more inclined to write it off as a bad day at the office because we have seen enough out of these guys to know that they're capable of far more than what they put on film today. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, CJ Stroud's still on pace for like 4,300 yards passing. You know, it was, it was, a, it happens. Like you come out and you have a bad game. I think that he still looked really good as a rookie. Um, the passing touchdowns haven't been there like in multiples, like he's typically throwing one a game, but we haven't had that blow up game where he throws for, yeah. you know, three or four touchdowns. But I think eventually we're going to have that multiple touchdown game and you're going to be happy with him as that fringe QB one. I, I still think he's at worst mid range QB two, but I'm still looking at him as more like a high end QB two that can give us some upside games. He did get a little bit more involved on the ground today, which was nice doing a little more scrambling. But I think the big thing here is what you mentioned with the wide receivers. Like, I, I wouldn't get overly worried. Now, this was a game where we did not have Robert Woods, but Tank Dell, man, 93% route participation. That was first on the team. He only had four targets, but he did also get three rushing attempts. Um, so he had seven opportunities today. He only gave you 6.1 fantasy points, but the underlying numbers are there. And we've seen him earn targets earlier in the year, so I think he's going to be fine. Nico, disappointing day. We've been kind of spoiled by these guys, though. Yeah. You know, 82% route participation, seven fantasy points. He had six targets, led the team with a 25% target share. So Nico's still doing Nico things. You just can't have every week where you come out and score 15 to 20 fantasy points. And that's all that happened today. So I think you're going to be fine with these guys. Just a little bit of a down day for Stroud in the game. Again, your quarterback throws for a buck 40 and no touchdowns. Guess what? No one's going to be producing out there. And honestly, yeah, that's why I was a little bit lower on, you know, complimentary options in this offense, like Dalton Schultz, who did a dud in this one. But Dwayne, you know, was on three game scoring streak before. Is the role okay for Schultz still in every down tight end in an offense we expect more out of in future weeks? Yeah, he was still fine. 80% okay. route participation. He had five targets, 21% target share. It was just spread out. You had four, four to Dell, six to Collins, five to Noah Brown, and five targets to Dalton Schultz. Next week going up against the Buccaneers, Robert Woods is expecting to miss two to three weeks with yep. this injury. I mean, coming in, Robert Woods, I know you probably wouldn't guess it from the numbers, but he was actually number one on the Texans in total targets. So we're going to go right back there to the well with Nico, with Tank Down, even with Mr. Dalton Schultz here as early as week nine. All right, on to the afternoon slate, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in if you're just getting to us from that thrilling Chargers beatdown over the Bears. Shout out T-Bag, though. Seahawks took down the Browns 24-20, to pushing us four-point favorites. The over cashed at a lowly 39. So, look, Geno Smith went out there. Just He'll do this, man. He'll make a couple just truly incredible plays. I mean, the touchdown to lock it, to extend it, and then just put it in the back of the end zone where only he could get it. Like, it was fabulous. And then you just see some of these interceptions 
interceptions or holding the ball too long. It's like, oh, Gino. So still putting plenty of good out there. But yes, it's one of those things as well where when, again, you see the overall fantasy numbers, I'm not sure if we're going to get Gino exactly competing for that, you know, top eight spot that he legitimately was last year. That said, Dwayne, with all these injuries that we have referenced, we might have to start treating him like that sooner rather than later. So end of the day, 254, two touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Hardly a terrible game from Geno Smith. I guess the good news is just seeing Tyler Lockett, someone that didn't practice all week with the hammy. He comes out there, 81 yards and a touchdown, looking very healthy. Metcalf back from his injury. I mean, he had the third most unrealized air yards on the week. So very, very close to that being a much bigger performance. And even JSN finding the end zone for a second straight week, this time in fashion, or I should say in style, with that game-winning tutty there at the end. Also just looking more like the sort of prospect that we all, you know, kind of lauded JSN and know him to be anyway, Dwayne. So again, I don't think there's too many takeaways from this passing game. What we did see, though, is a big movement in the backfield shift, with the context being that Kenneth Walker was not practicing this week with a calf injury, albeit... When you're not listening on the final injury report, man, you do wonder if Zach Charbonnet is making a little bit of a play here. Yeah, but we saw we saw this one other time earlier in the year, and we thought, okay, like let's pay attention to it. But then it just went away the next week, so we don't know for sure what's going to happen. All I can say is, like, if Charbonnet is on your waiver wire, it, you didn't even need this game. Like he's just a guy that really should be rostered in most leagues. Like just I get for it handcuff alone. for handcuff alone, yeah. but maybe, maybe he is carving out a little bit of a larger role. Again, I don't think we can say anything for sure here. And he did outscore Walker 8.4 fantasy points to eight. Even for Walker, he had 31% of the rushing attempts. That's one of his best marks. That actually is his best mark. I think of the, of, of the season, 58% route participation, only 29% for Walker. This is a game where the Seahawks were trailing. So the game script might have been more of a factor here, but we have other we've had other games where the Seahawks have trailed and Walker's been the guy that's just stayed on the field. So some of this could just be random variants or coming back to maybe Walker just wasn't 100% for the game. So Charbonnet, maybe he's getting a larger role, but the main takeaway is shouldn't be on waiver wires as much as he is. Like in Yahoo right now, I haven't I don't have the latest up, but I know last week when I looked at these numbers, it was over 50% of the time. Charbonnet was available. I know some of you guys are listening. Not in my league, Dwayne. Okay, great. Not in your <laughs> league. But there are leagues where he's been available a lot. So just a name to definitely think about stashing on your on your bench if you have room for it. One quick note on the wide receivers. We had seen really all the guys at an 80% route participation for like the last several games, but we didn't know for sure. Was it to do with injuries? Because we've had DK battling an injury. He's actually missed a game. But last week, when we had three guys, even Bobo was out there getting 80%. This week, that was gone. 92% to Lockett, 87% to Metcalf, and JSM was back down to 68%. So while he came through with his touchdown, only 11% target share, four targets, three catches, 36 yards, and you're lucky he gave you that touchdown. It was really all about Metcalf today. 14 targets, man, but only five of them ended up turning into catches. You mentioned the air yards that were there. Obviously, ties back to that. And, and you already mentioned what Lockett did, which was great. So a little bit of an issue, though, here for JSN. We need him to be out there, especially in a game like this where they need him. But Bobo does continue to get on the field and steal some of those snaps. And even down inside the five, that's what really drives you nuts. And that's where Bobo scored his touchdown today on, uh, you know, I think it was a rushing attempt. So. A rush. A rush, Dwayne. Let's get Jake Bobo yeah. the rush. Not our first round wide receiver lauded for all of his yak ability out there. Sheesh is right. Honestly, like it's lucky that 
any of these wide receivers got all that opportunity. I mean, the Seahawks, man, these running backs, Walker and Charbonnet had 13 carries for a combined 119 yards, 9.2 yards per clip. I mean, yeah, Walker had a 45-yard run. Charbonnet had a 21-yard run. That's still not completely nuking the average like a lot of people love to do when you take away a player's good plays. So, again, worked out. Kenneth Walker, Dwayne, someone we're still going to be firing up as an RB1 next week. But, you know, if we do get a couple weeks of this sort of utilization, definitely going to be something to call out for Charbonnet. Standalone value, but, yes, big moral of the story. Need, need, need him because he is a true, you know, a club status handcuff. On the Brown side of things, note Deshaun Watson getting some, you know, just we're working with what we can with the reports, but does sound like IR is not going to be in his range of outcomes. So at a minimum, would like to see that shoulder a little bit healthier so we don't get that just abysmal five, you know, attempt performance we saw uh, against the uh, Colts, I believe it was last week. So over here with PJ Walker, again, man, like him and Dorian Thompson are, I believe, still two of the two worst graded quarterbacks in the NFL by PFF. It's really been rough. Credit to Amari Cooper for making the most out of it in this one. Six catches for 89 yards on a team high 11 targets. Also had David Njoku keeping on, keeping on. Someone that had two end zone targets last week just missed. Ended up taking a screen to the house in this one. Took another screen, man, 41 yards. Looking awfully athletic while he's doing it. So Hopefully, we can get Watson back at some point because as bad as he has been for the majority of his Browns tenure, it is still better than what we're seeing from DTR and P.J. Walker. I understand you couldn't say it was better than Jacoby Brissett last year, but sadly, he is now you know backing up Sam Howell in Washington. So, end the day, Dwayne, without Watson in weeks four through eight, it's Amari Cooper with 32 targets. In second place is Dave Njoku with 25, and then Elijah Moore with 22. You know, kind of like a lower middle class man's version of the Jaguars going on here, keeping with that. <laughs> Uh, example. So, end of the day, it's just good to see Cooper and Njoku dominating targets and making the most out of what has been a pretty abysmal passing game all season long. Yeah, I mean, Cooper over the last four games, targets have been six, eight, eight, eleven. The challenge is only turning into <laughs> yeah the receptions. Seventeen percent of those have been caught, fifty percent, twenty-five percent, and then fifty-five percent today. So, a lot of those are just not catchable. And that's a big challenge. There's major accuracy issues. Walker like had his best game, you know, of the season today, but it's just going to be a challenge when you've got, you know, even if Amari's doing his theme, like today at a 37% target share, Amari's he's out there doing his thing. He's he's earning targets, doing what he needs to do. But the challenge is how many of those are really going to be catchable. So yeah. these guys all stay in a downgrade situation. Uh, real quickly on the running back side, we had Ford end up playing today. Jerome Ford played, you know, he had the ankle injury last week. We thought maybe it was high ankle ends up, I guess, being a low ankle. So it was really a three-way committee today. Kareem Hunt had 14 carries for 55 yards. Then you had Pierre Strong Jr. behind him with 10 carries for 41. And then Ford was behind that nine attempts for 37. So really this dreaded three-way split. I do think it's more of a two-man rotation in when we don't have Ford injured it's probably just going to be Hunt and Jerome Ford Pierre Strong looks like he would be the odd man out although he played good today you know he had one yeah. catch for 41 yards he had 10 carries for 41 yards so Pierre Strong looked pretty good there is a chance he played him his, he may have played his way into being like the third running back that gets continues to get a little bit of run but I think most likely we still see it come back mostly to Ford as the number one and then Hunt giving the you know coming in behind him and then just occasionally maybe a little Pierre Strong 
Weeks two through four was strong, like as a clear complimentary back with Nick Chubb out of the picture. 14% snaps, 12% snap, and 14% snaps. It's only been these last two games with Ford more banged up and then out, obviously, the second half of week seven that he has seen that, you know, increase out of the sub 15% range. So I'm with you still thinking two running back sets, but obviously, at least for next week, not going to be the most thrilled about, you know, trusting Ford to get back to his usual role over there. Final note would just be that, yeah, Amari Cooper's game almost much bigger did finish down at the one yard line just short of a touchdown on one of his six catches so keep on trusting the cooper train hopefully gets you know some more catchable targets Broncos took down the Chiefs, one of the bigger upsets of the season, seven-point dogs. But, you know, that seems like small for a team that, again, we have written off as one of the worst in the NFL for large portions of 2023. They will get to go into their week nine bye. Now riding a two-game win streak, the under did cash in this one out 45 and a half. So this is the first time the Broncos have beat the Chiefs since September 17, 2015. Mahomes is now 12-1 and all-time against Denver. And, Credits his defense, Dwayne, a group that looked incapable of like just touching ball carriers, let alone tackling them against the Dolphins, now has allowed 19 points against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. They only gave up 17 to the Packers last week and now nine again. So, yes, Patrick Mahomes had the flu out there, but I'm not sure, you know, being without the flu, Dwayne, was going to help Sky Moore, you know, not drop a 26 yard touchdown or whether it was just going to stop those uh, Packers, you know, the Broncos pass rushers from really getting it after, getting after it out there. So, really was a concern concerning thing where, you know, we kind of talked about it briefly before the show, but you watch this Chiefs offense and just from one week to the next where, man, okay, Mahomes, 400 plus and four touchdowns. Who's the wide receivers? Who cares? I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to do whatever I want to a game like this where it did really seem like they were missing that, you know, just bona fide stud wide receiver who could go get open and man on man, man on man coverage when they needed him. So, hey, I get it. Travis Kelsey is that man more weeks than not. Just had a little bit of a down game. Rasheed Rice could have had a bigger game out there as well, although he did, you know, respond with the 9.6 PPR points. So, Dwayne, more, more tending towards just, you know, hey, we've seen more than enough from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Just one kind of fluky down performance. But it would be a lot cooler if they just had anyone out there. We could. There, there's far too much trust on Justin Watson in this offense. That's what I'm trying to say right now. Yeah, for sure. And it just continues to be, you know, a complete rotation. You had one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers today. You had three tight ends getting on the field. You know, can we condense this down like at all? <laughs> um, and Rasheed Rice, 59% route participation. So we were kind of hoping maybe could he just stay up towards that 80% range? Didn't really happen. Still, I mean, he's doing his thing out there. Like Rice, I think is still the second best option on the team behind Travis Kelsey, but it's even hard to trust him, Ian. Like, he's coming through without being out there enough, to be honest. So at some point, like, you know you're going to run into some of these tougher scores from him. He was still okay with 9.6 fantasy points yeah. today. He's a guy you definitely want to keep on your roster. But I don't know, man. Like, they just, they don't. We saw this last year, and we hoped and we hoped all year long that they would finally unlock one of these guys. And they never did. With Rasheed Rice, we continue to hope that because he's actually playing good. Last year, we hoped it for Sky Moore, but he never played as well as Rasheed Rice has. So I think there's a chance Rice still takes that big step forward at some point. It's just hard to know, Ian, and I don't think we can ever say it's going to happen until it happens. Like, that's the moment when we say, okay, like, now we have it. 
And there is a chance that it just doesn't happen. So I hate I hate to have to say that, but it's just the truth. Um, I will say this: Kadarius Tony just doesn't have to be on rosters in any format. I know a lot of you are like, "Oh, Kadarius Tony's been free for a long time in my league." There are leagues that some people are playing in with Kadarius Tony. He's he's still rostered. He has had he's the last two weeks he's had his lowest route participation with Mikkel Hardman on the team. Hardman saw a thirty-two percent route participation today, and Kadarius Tony, the guy that they told us, oh, he's going to be an every down receiver. He's going to be out here all the time. Coach speak is stupid. Like, you know, it's just like, I, I know some of it actually does come to, come true, but I remember when we were talking about this in the offseason, we're like, do we trust it? We're like, no, we don't trust it. They're not going to play Kadarius Tony all the time. Now he's a good player. So if you happen to get right, like he could have a lot of value in fantasy, but that's just really not happening here. Only 18% route participation today. Guess what? Coach speak can be nonsense a lot of times, but there is one beautiful person out there. The coach speak index at coach speak index who does attempt to sift through it all. Truly one of my favorite Twitter accounts I have found this year. Give them a follow if you have not already. They, they are trying to analytic uh, Eliza, however the hell you say that word. Dwayne. They're trying to analyze. Analyze. Yeah, there we go. There we go, Ian. Way, way to use that, you know, high education degree. But yeah, man, they're trying to make it happen. And I appreciate them for doing that. So again, Coach Speak Index, shout out to you guys. Rasheed Rice did have a nice catch and run, 39 yards. I'm with you, Dwayne. If there is going to be someone I would put a chip on, it would be him. But looking more like no. Isaiah Pacheco continuing to lead the way. But again, just with the game script in this one, wasn't going to be his day. Still someone, Dwayne, that we're trusting as an upside RB2 or worse more weeks than not. He's earned it at this point. Yeah, for sure. It's just the the few spots we've had for Pacheco where it feels like he's in that smash spot. Yeah. It hasn't worked for him yet. Like, namely, two matchups against the Broncos. <laughs> like, it just hasn't gone his way. But yeah, he's still leading the backfield. He's getting the early down work. McKinnon's coming in, getting the passing down work. No changes here. Think that one about anything on the Broncos. I guess I kind of skipped over them. Sorry. I, yeah, I, the Broncos. Yeah, uh, I was surprised you weren't like, yeah, but Javante. No, I, I, I try to hype up the winners first and I let them down. My bad, Broncos. Broncos country. Let's ride, baby. What a win. Yeah, J Javante, man. 66% of the snaps today. I do think this is leading game script, Javante. This is leading game script, Sean Payton. He slowed this thing down. He ran the ball. Even though you're playing the Chiefs, he didn't care. He thought his, he thought his defense could hold this lead. It worked. I don't understand how he thought that it could work, but it did work, and they truly rode Javante. We did not see a lot of work today for McLaughlin. Um, he had a nice average. You know, he did well. He scored 5.9 fantasy points on just, you know, four carries for 33 yards, but it was really Javante. 18.8 .8 fantasy points, 27 carries for 85 yards, so not very efficient, but he got the... Obviously, a huge workload today. 66% of the snaps, 68% of the rushing attempts, 37% of the routes. That's still going to McLaughlin and P. Ryan getting in there. So I think in these games where, and I don't know, again, how you're ever going to predict this, especially against a, team, against a team like the Chiefs, but when we, when we get a nice lead for the Broncos and they can try to sit on it, those are going to be the games where Javante can give you 15, 18, maybe even 20 fantasy points. I really thought he was going to get a rushing touchdown today. He had some carries down inside the five. He caught one. wasn't able he did? Yeah, he 27 scored it, for 85. I thought he caught a touch. Did he not have a receiving touchdown? He did. I told you he caught one. Okay, yeah. No, yeah. I was talking about a rushing touchdown. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was going to have a chance to get a rushing touchdown. He had several carries inside the five as well. So I thought he was going to get one of those as well. Just got, you know, just wasn't able to quite get it there. But this is the this is the perfect game script. If you guys can ever predict when it's going to happen for the Broncos, this is when it changes from being so much of a three-way to committee 
to more like, hey, most of this is going to go to Javante, and then the other two guys will just kind of deal with it later and, and, and split it up. And in games where they're trailing, I think you're going to still see more of that three-headed monster. Javante had gone an NFL high, 82 touches without a score before he reeled in that short touchdown reception. He had one or two nullified earlier in the year, just wasn't quite getting there. Good to see him finally cross the plane and just looking so much better with his opportunities to win. I know he's getting the more volume, but again, efficiency stats kind of back up the same story. I mean, he only forced per PFF five total missed tackles in his first three games before injury. 14 combined in three games since. And again, I do believe that is backed up on the eye test. Also, shout out Russell Wilson. 16 touchdowns in eight games this year, Dwayne. That's as many as he had last year in 15. Found Judy on one, found Sutton on another. Will they still be teammates by the time next week? I don't know, but Lord knows we will find out the second it happens in this every second new society that we happen to live in. So let's go ahead and move on to the Ravens taking down the Cardinals. 31 to 24. Cardinals did find a way way to you know stage nice little fourth quarter comeback to cover that nine and a half point line the over <laughs> did cash at 45 so bit of a you know just underwhelming fancy performance for all the ravens parties involved i mean if you just would have told yourself before the game they're going to score 31 it's not going to be that hard i'm sure you would think that lamar mark andrews zay flowers all these guys will be putting up massive numbers just wasn't quite meant to be mark andrews did score a short early touchdown to you know give himself 14 ppr points but the real star of the day was gus the bus edwards baby sadly not averaging five yards per carry this season but when he scored not one not two but three touchdowns out there you know what that'll be just fine in fantasy land so obviously you know facing a team like the cardinals is 9.5 point favorites like this was the spot to really trust gus bus but you know Dwayne, we start looking at it and this ravens team does tend to be building a lot of leads and at the end of the day edwards does have 15 or more touches in three of his last four games are we underappreciating the chances of gus you know really emerging as more of a weekly rb2 than maybe we're giving him credit for i think you just have to pick your spots um, so like I had him up the ranks this week because the, you had the Ravens, you know, favored by so much, but in weeks where, you know, it's going to be a closer game, you're going to have more passing all that. Like you're just, it's, it's going to be, and it's tough to always predict when those things are, we're doing the best we can using, you know, the lines and using team totals and things like that, but it doesn't always play out that way. So it's hard to know which games you're going to be okay with Gus. Like overall, his utilization for the season says like mid range to low end ru running back three, like based on data, like back to 2011. But when you get these matchups like today, where you know he's going to have a chance to get to 16, 17, 18, 19 opportunities, which today he had 19 carries, and he's going to have these opportunities for touchdowns. You also had a really high team total uh, coming into this game for the Ravens. Those are the games where I'm going to be willing to move him into that high end running back three low end running back to status. And then if you get lucky and he gets the three scores like he does today, which he's not going to, but if he gives you one or two, you're going to be fine. If he gives you a touchdown in those games and gives you 80 yards, you know, total, and maybe you catch at least a pass for another five to 10 yards, you know, you can get 15 fantasy points out of him. Obviously a lot better than that today, Ian, 29.4 points. Yeah. Last week he gave you 21.4 against the lions and another game where they obviously built a big lead. Just good at football, man. And I'll tell you what, next week at home against the Seahawks, you know, faulty run defense, once again, going to be a recommended start over here in the fantasy life streets. Zay Flowers, man, been waiting for this breakout. I've watched him. He's freaking electric. I understand how he got the joystick nickname. Shout out Dante Hall as the OG back in the day, obviously. But he's had the ADOT, you know, in other weeks. He's just had some near misses here or there. 
prime by low, Dwayne, or you just think that it's going to be tough for anyone here to kind of break out other than Mark Andrews, all out what we've kind of seen in Kansas City behind Kelsey? No, I mean, I, I, Zay Flowers is not quite like Chris Alave level, but up there, man, like a 27% target share for a rookie. Like he's playing really great. It's just, you know, it hasn't all worked out for him yet. That was only five targets today. We had seen in two out of the last three games before today, the drop back rate over expectation. We had seen two of the games where it was really high for the Ravens. So we thought, well, maybe are we getting that Todd Munkin offense? We were promised because you had had injuries with a lot of the receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. had been in and out of the lineup. Rashad Bateman had been battling injuries. Say Flowers was just a rookie. Week one, we had Mark Andrews out of the lineup. He had missed practice at the right before the season. You know, for like two weeks, we weren't really seeing Mark Andrews at practice. So maybe it was just a gelling thing. Well, nope. Today they come out and they get a lead and they're happy to run the ball and look more like the old Ravens. So I really feel like it's a game script dependent thing. And they're just they're deciding week to week. So that adds variance to Flowers, but he continues to lead the team. Like, so I mean, 28% target or 27% target share, like I said, is really good. That's wide receiver one worthy. It's just right now we don't know when they're going to be a pass-heavy team versus when they're going to decide to run the ball. I do agree, though, man. Like, if we had to go ahead and put together, like, our top, you know, three to five buy-low guys, I think Flowers would probably be on it. Yeah, I mean, he's been on it for, like, three – that's the challenge now. Like, I'm thinking about what video am I making this week for YouTube, (laughs) and it's like – a lot of the same guys that we've already been telling people for the last (laughs) three weeks. It's like Chris Olave, it's Zay Flowers. Those guys are definitely on there. On the other side of the football, again, spirited effort. And that's kind of been common with the Cardinals throughout a lot of the season, especially more early on when they were, you know, frisky with some of those NFC East teams in particular. But Joshua Dobbs ended up going out there against, you know, a defense that many consider one of, if not the best in the NFL, did throw for two scores and then rushed in another one from the one yard line. So Amari DiMercato, 56% of the snaps, 20 carries, one target. Unfortunately, couldn't find the end zone. But hey, you know, 79 total yards. Not the worst performance in the world. The real story of the day, though, Dwayne, was none other than waiver wire phenom Trey McBride. 14 targets. He caught 10 of them for 95 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown, he got a little bit of help from his friends. Everyone getting on with pushing him into the end zone after he showed the ability to stay up for a few extra snaps. Towards the end of all the Sunday afternoon games, Dwayne, I was checking out just some of our NFC scoreboards and stuff. And there was one man, we were like, we were down like 161.5 to like 163. And McBride was the only guy left. And he caught like a 20 yard scene pass on the last drive of the game in garbage time to get us the W. So, Trey McBride, thank you, man, uh, for getting that otherwise dog shit fantasy team at least one <laughs> W this week. But yeah, Dwayne, I mean, look, with McBride, I was thinking like, okay, get him on the roster. We'll get Kyler back hopefully soon. We did get confirmation it's not going to be Kyler back in week nine in Cleveland. It's more likely going to be week 10, home versus the Falcons. Makes sense. Maybe some of you have some trade conspiracy hats on, but I'm not really one of those guys. Just again, seeing this, Dwayne, Top 10 immediately this week. I mean, this is probably going to be the number one tight end performance of week eight. Yeah, and hopefully you guys were able to get him. I know we talked about him a ton last week, um, whether it was on social media or whether wherever it was, like the McBride. Once we knew that Ertz was going to IR, he had really been heating up. He was already starting to take on a larger role. We always like to see that. It's, it's fine. Like somebody gets hurt and you now know this guy has an opportunity. It's always better if they're already forcing their way into the lineup, which was happening for McBride. And man, Ian, the targets over the last four games, target shares, or sorry, his uh, targets per route run, 
33%, and then he was at 39% today. He had a 39% target share today for the Cardinals. So that was just absolutely bonkers. This is a guy that they spent a third-round pick on the year before this last draft. Second, he was very excellent. Was it a second-rounder? Yeah, he was, and he was a good target earner coming out of college. Now, he played for a smaller school, so sometimes we have to take that into account. He wasn't very good last year at the end of the year when he had a chance, but there was just a messed up quarterback situation once Kyler went down, like Colt McCoy was struggling to stay in the lineup. We had like Trace McSorley, all sorts of weird things happening. So really good to see him starting to come on. Looks like an ascending young tight end. He's an absolute priority if he's available on your waiver wire and you need tight end help. So yeah, I think he is inside the top 10. Like you're going to use him over guys like Michael Mayer at this point because we know what oh, his yeah. role is. Now Michael Mayer, as soon as we say that on the show, he'll go off next. He'll go off tomorrow night. Great, go ahead. That's how it works. But there's just less target competition here, right? Like we've got Marquise Brown, then Rondell Moore is a big step down over in Vegas. You've got to deal with Devonte Adams, plus you've got to deal with Jacoby Myers. So, yeah, I do like this, and we eventually get Kyler back at some point. I think this is really good for Trey McBride. He. He could have a shot to maybe even push higher than top 10, Ian. Move on to our last afternoon game here. We had the Bengals take down the 49ers 31 to 17. Since he obviously covered as four and a half point dogs, the overcashed at 44 and the 49ers will now head into their week nine by look like the class of the NFL after that Cowboys game. And now they have lost not one, not two, but three straight contests. So just again, shout out to Joe Burrow, man. He is hundred percent healthy and reminding everyone of just how good he is when those things are going his way. And you can tell he was hundred percent healthy healthy Dwayne because for like the first time all season they were just consistently using him under center there's a third and one they used him on a QB sneak to get the first down I mean he took off and gained 43 rushing yards he had 14 total rushing yards in weeks one through six combined. So again, it's not like Burrow that we're expecting 40 plus every single week, but he has had like that, at least Justin Herbert level of athleticism in him where you get a nice little bump and more than anything, you just get that mobility, man. And you really saw from the first drive on, they had a third down where he just spins away almost Eli Manning ask, you know, had a couple guys on the Jersey. They don't blow the whistle. He gets away and then takes a freaking shot from, I believe Fred Warner completes the pass to Tyler Boyd and just drives him right down the field. So great performance from Burrow. And guess what? When that happens, you got Jamar Chase going for 100 in the tutty. You got T. Higgins out there looking great on his way to catching, you know, five passes for 69 yards. Boyd found the, found the end zone. Joe Mixon found the end zone. Dwayne, I'm knocking over lights. I'm getting so excited in here right now. <laughs> I mean, this was the thing. This was with this Bengals offense we were buying in all these pieces under the assumption they were going to be the top five scoring offense we've seen for the past two seasons past couple of weeks that's what they've been i think we're back in on everyone yeah i don't really have anything to add here other than burrows back to your point we also did get t higgins back from the rib injury today not quite his normal full role but 82 percent route participation 19 percent target share so that was six targets five catches 69 yards not any touchdowns today, but you know better days are coming for T. Higgins. I think he's another potential buy low if someone is frustrated with him. Now that we see Burrow doing what he's doing, we know there's going to be some big games coming in the near future for Mr. Higgins. 
And again, with Mixon, elite 74% snap rate, 19 combined carries and targets, and actually looked really explosive out there, Dwayne. I mean, we talked earlier in the year about his efficiency being up while the offense was down, and then he kind of started sucking again, but he did look good out there running. So hopefully you're able to maybe just buy low because, again, everything about Mixon's utilization has set RB1, just been more so that offensive environment, and to be fair, some of his own efficiency problems. He was he yeah. was running hard, looking to deal out punishment to a defense that usually deals it out to running backs. Yeah, I did. Man. I mean, he was he was not shying from contact at all. Like he was dropping his shoulder and just like you know giving it to those DBs and safeties. He is the king though of like he'll do that and then like he'll win the contact collision point, but like he'll just kind of like fall down after that. Like, you never see him like <laughs> yeah. He doesn't he doesn't turn it into a big long run, but it's yeah. still nice. Like it's just body blows on the defense. Though. He sends the message. Like I see why he's hyped. I see why his teammates are hyped. But you're like oh. Could you juke them, man? Just, I don't know. All right, on the other side of the ball, a lot, a lot of garbage time stats for Brock Purdy. I mean, their last drive in particular was just hysterical, like dumping it down to CMC for like a 30-yard catch and run. Then Ray Ray McLeod's going for 41 yards. Like Brock Purdy would have probably finished under 300 yards if they just didn't, you know, almost shamelessly stat pad there down 14 points in the final few seconds of the game. So, man, another game of just Purdy looking awfully human out there. I mean, first five games of the year, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions exceptions three touchdowns versus five picks over these last three games oddly enough he also just showed us some brand new rushing upside Dwayne I mean he killed it in fantasy today like who cares about the real life win and loss but 57 rushing yards for Brock Purdy today he had 63 in his previous 16 career games man so you know, again someone that we knew was mobile but to actually see him go out and scramble like that was a new feature in his game so guess what when you have a rare instance where the 49ers gotta play catch up and they can't just you know hand the ball off to McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell the entire second half you get everyone balling out Kittle buck 49 Ayuka buck 09 CMC doing typical CMC things so honestly man you just hope that Purdy can play a little bit better with the healthier version of this offense out of the out of the bye i don't have that many takeaways other than just that like hey they're a bit more human than maybe we thought yeah what's up with their defense i i don't know like their passing defense is really struggling but yeah the main two things i see is purdy struggling and the defense has struggled since that cowboys game when they essentially looked unbeatable after just destroying Dallas, hum humiliating them on an island game on Sunday night. Made you know, Dwayne cry in front of his family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm all, we're here for fantasy. So, but I will say I do like seeing the 49ers lose. So sorry <laughs> if you guys are, but you guys should, you respect that, right? Like we, we still root for our teams, but from a fantasy perspective, the biggest thing here. Is just whenever we have one of the guys out of the mix, you see what can happen. Yeah, <laughs> with George Kittle <laughs> and Ayuk and CMC, man, there like there's enough to like get all these guys there in fantasy. Kittle, you already mentioned it all. I don't need to hit any more of it. There's nothing new to cover here, other than anytime we get one of them missing, everybody else gets that slight <laughs> bump up, and it gives them a little bit better ceiling. And that was kind of like the funny just comments going back and forth throughout the offseason on this offense because you could find these on-off splits for almost everyone that were troubling when yep. every single person was active. But it was almost like the on-off splits were so, quote-unquote, troubling because the off splits were so huge because this is what happens when one of the guys are out, not even that they're necessarily that bad of options when everyone's healthy in the first place. So, yeah, just to go show you that we got some pretty damn good football players in that San Fran offense. Who would have thought? 
Final one, everybody. Chargers took down the Bears 30-13 to on Sunday Night Football. You know, clock struck midnight on this T-bag Cinderella story in Chicago. They did actually, you know, not cover. Well, Chargers cover by 9.5 points. The under did cash at 45.5. So this obviously a game that Dwayne and I started, you know, this podcast at halftime, so we did not catch the last 30 minutes. But pretty sure we saw most of what we needed to see out there in the first half, Dwayne, and that was Justin Herbert really getting back to look like the guy that we saw in the first three games of the season as opposed to the last three one of my takeaways from just my questions article i publish every week on fantasylife.com was that since breaking his left middle finger and also you know dealing with just some tougher opponents herbert over these last three games and four weeks total was dead last in adjusted completion rate man and it was funny on the broadcast you know they're talking about the passing game like not really clicking recently and you know as one of them brought up how keenan allen dropped the pass now I, I was like don't throw Keenan under the bus. Herbert's the one that's missed Keenan on two, if not three touchdowns over the past three weeks. So none of that out there, you know, Keenan eight catches, 69 yards, didn't get that touchdown tonight, but from Eckler to Donald Parham to Joshua Parham before he suffered another injury, but then played through it, just looked like the sort of passing game we thought they were going to look like for most of the year, Dwayne. Yeah. Credit to Austin Eckler. I mean, yeah. Eckler had like almost a hundred yards of it. So a lot of these were little dump down passes. Now, to be fair to Herbert, you're playing without Josh Palmer. So they're, they're putting the right game plan together. Palmer was out there, but he's obviously not 100% right yeah. now. He played 76% of the uh, passing plays tonight. He gutted it out. But at one point I know he had to leave the field. And apparently when he was in the blue medical, <laughs> tent, he was screaming. <laughs> So, and then he comes out of the blue medical tent and runs, gets on the bike, and then he's back on the field. Uh, but yeah, Eckler, that's the big thing here. Really re engaged in the passing game. Ian had a 21% target share tonight. He had seven catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. I thought he was going to blow that out. I think he had 90 yards receiving at halftime. Yeah. So, didn't have to do a whole lot the rest of the game. Quentin Johnston got to double digit fantasy points 10 points for quentin if we had like an applause button we would hit it if we don't we'll do the real thing uh 61 route participation 20 percent targets per route run so we had six targets five catches for 50 yards not great but we'll take it it's a step in the right direction for quentin johnston and if uh, palmer continues to really have to battle through this knee injury they need him to step up man so it's it's a step in the right direction we won't get out ahead of it too much but Look, it's better than where it has been for Quentin. Well, also note uh, with the Chargers, yeah, Joshua Palmer, you said, again, re-aggravated that issue. Dwayne, I'm not sure if you ever played this video game. It came out like the mid-2000s. It wasn't the original Blitz games. It was, this one was called Blitz the League, and it was rated MA, and it was almost like a play on that old ESPN Playmaker show. Like, it was kind of raunchy. But when your player would get hurt, they would give you the option when they're like, all right, you can either, you know, take the three or four weeks needed yeah. to heal up, or we will inject your player with steroids, and you can get it back out there in, like, three plays. That's where my mind went when that happened with <laughs> Joshua Palmer is like, give me the good shit and I'll get back out there. It's only an ankle. So kudos to him through for playing through it. But yeah, otherwise, Eckler, Herbert, Keenan, all those guys doing their things as you would hope. With the Quentin Johnson thing, Dwayne, because I mean, again, we talked about all these guys as prospects. For him, I, I was almost more excited for him to give them this like additional yak element to their offense that other than Gerald Everett and, you know, Eckler and Keenan are going to do their thing. But just with Quentin Johnson, man, you saw that drag he caught in the second quarter and he just immediately makes two or three guys miss. And it's like, why are we not doing that more? Why are we not doing more of that design stuff? Yeah, there's a disconnect right now. I I don't think they trust him. And Justin, yeah. that, that's the coaching staff. It's not Justin in the circle. Herbert. I did. Yeah, he's not in the circle. I did go back and watch 
all of Quentin Johnson's uh, reps for like the last, I didn't get to watch all these obviously, mm. but like Herbert doesn't even look his way <laughs> to start to start. You know, most targets are first read targets. I know we talk a lot about that in the industry these days, but like first read targets and target shares are essentially like they stack up almost exactly the same guys that get a lot of targets. Guess what? They get a lot of first read targets because 70% of targets are first read targets people. Nice. So it's a cool stat and everything, but like, come on, like we can calm down a little bit with it, <laughs> but with Quentin Johnston, no, there's not a lot of, he's not the first read that often. So like that was a little, that's, that's been something that I've noticed when I'm, when I'm watching the film with him. So maybe, maybe though he can earn a little bit more trust and we'll, we'll see what the data says. when we dig a little further on Quentin Johnston in the morning when we do the utilization report. On the other side of the ball, I just have a funny, quick personal story. So I am, I have gambled long enough to know that I am not a good gambler. And so because of that, I don't like to gamble much money on it, but you know, with, you know, having FanDuel and stuff these days, I can put just little $5 parlays down to have a good time. So again, I don't expect to win this, but I like to sweat it a little bit, Dwayne. And I had, you know, a five legger out there tonight. And one of them was Darnell Mooney under 29 and a half receiving yards. And to watch on literally the first play of Sunday night football, my <laughs> stupid parlay go up in flames just immediately man that one uh that one hurt so hey like, i just wanted to have a little hope just for a little while like i didn't think it was gonna win i knew it wasn't gonna win but give me more than a play out here one freaking play you just try to get a sweat man Sh should have known better should have known better not to bet the under on that one so i'll watch the film and get better as always but yeah that part sucked what did not suck well i guess you know it wasn't great but the teabag experience Dwayne, wasn't all on him out there i mean my god velas jones one of the sheeshes of the season wide open deep slipped down still had the 40 yard potential touchdown hit him in the chest could not hold on also had commit out there catching 18 not an 18 yard pass it was like a three yard pass seemingly was breaking a tackle on his way to go into the end zone for an 18 yard touchdown but they blew they blew the play dead early so i kind of saw where the ref was coming from but it did look like perhaps a little bit early there 10 so even, targets and 10 catches for him I was trying to skip through some of the late game logs. I think a lot of it was, hey, we're down, you know, 17, 20 points. But, but that's a lot of them. tight ends. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Look, he's Komet, like, he's had some decent games. Like, some he, he'll, he'll give you some definite stinkers. I want to say on National Tight End Weekend, he had a zero. Like, so that was really <sighs> frustrating when, when every tight end in the league <laughs> went off except for Cole Komet. Um, but, like, he's definitely given us some weeks here over the last few. We've got, uh, 10 targets this weekend. So he gave you 17.9 fantasy points, two duds before that 2.9 and zero. But before that 15 fantasy points, 28 fantasy points. So like he he's had three out of the last five guy out of the last five games have been usable. Unfortunately, like the, the duds are really bad. 2.9 and zero. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, this was, it got interesting, man. Like, the amount of hype about freaking teabag throughout this week. He had a 4.6 yard average target depth last week. They just have not had to do anything with this, obviously. So what happens when you got to try to keep up a little the bit? The open on Sunday Night Football, like, I thought for, well, actually, like the first quarter, it was all teabag. It was about his dad and the arm. I mean, there's a lot of cool narratives you can run <laughs> with, so I get it. You know, they're talking about the dad and the arm wrestling. and But it's just funny. It's like, you know, this guy, 
you know, he's been playing football since he was six. I'm like, most players in the league have been playing football since they were six. This is not like, this is not actually a new story. The arm wrestling thing is pretty cool, but yeah, anyway. So I actually, I missed this line, but I just typed in Justin Fields trying to see if there's a medical update. And apparently in the third quarter, Collinsworth said that Justin Fields needs to quote unquote, study up on how, uh, you know, T-Bad goes out there and plays Dwayne. So yeah, that's where we're at. Please get better soon, Justin. Please get better soon. Big game from Cole Komet. Bit of a down downer for DJ Moore, but man, four catches for 55 yards. We've been in these streets long enough, Dwayne. If that's a down game for DJ Moore, we'll take that, baby. And we're used to these three catches, 20-yard scoreless performances. So could have been worse there. I know with the matchup, you were probably hoping for a boom. But yeah, again, you are. with with you know, with <laughs> the T-bag under yeah. center, come on. Last point here, Dwayne, before we get out of here, what did we see out of the backfield? Because, of course, as we did sadly, you know, believe in our kind of preview pods, Darrington Evans was more involved than anyone would have preferred. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that, though, was due to the Roshan fumble. You know, Roshan had the fumble, so I do I do wonder if that's what kind of triggered the coaching staff. Nine attempts for Foreman, six for Roshan, four for Darrington Evans. Uh, fantasy points you didn't want if you if you were had to pick which one you wanted in your fantasy lineup it was Darrington Evans because he scored a touchdown and he gave you 13 fantasy points he only had 4.6 for Foreman 6.1 for Roshan uh 38% of the carries to Foreman 25% and then 17% to Evans uh pretty gross like route participation was all spread out as well not a lot going on there so yeah not 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 ideal um, so when we get Khalil Herbert back, like then maybe we have a three-way committee now because I do think Deontay Foreman has played well enough that that could be in the range of outcomes. We got kind of lucky that happened in week one, but since then it's really been a two-way backfield plus the quarterback. But now we might have this three-way committee if uh, Foreman continues to play well. Can't trust any of them this week. No, no, no. Yeah. Like this past week, I moved all those guys below like Gus Edwards, other guys that are kind of in similar situations, but where you just felt like, well, it's really just two guys. And there could be the chance that there's three over here in this other situation. And I think that's the way we've got to continue to treat it. Hey, Justin Fields, get better. We're talking the uh, dark sunglasses on the sideline. Baller's going to ball, Dwayne. Can't. What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. You know that. Final note in the Monday Night Football. Bad news. Our one true sun god, Amon Ross St. Brown, did get downgraded to questionable with an illness. I would hope that because it's an illness, he'll play through it. We'll know officially around 7 p.m., 6.45 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. But to a natural pivot, and luckily I do think he will be available in a lot of leagues, would be Khalif Raymond. Yeah, I do think that's the natural one. Maybe, maybe Jameson gets more involved he's had a little bit more work with marvin jones out so obviously though the guy that's going to get the most slot work is raymond but any anything like that opens up paths to potentially more routes for jameson overall i think i would take khalif over jameson straight up if sun god was out tomorrow yeah i i don't know yeah khalif probably good, man. i probably would yeah. No, I do like him. Like, dude, we've, we, every time, like, Khalif's one of these guys that, like, every time we do these studies on small samples, he's there. Like, he's always there. I I got to move my threshold up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, nobody's going to believe this list. I I leave Khalif (laughs) Raymond in here, you know? (laughs) Exactly.
I do refuse to change my thresholds on uh, any rushing efficiency metric. Devin Achan is going to skew that bitch. And you know what? He he earned it, man. Like, I'm not going to put yeah. that carry thing at 36 or wherever it has to be. Just, Devin Achan, keep on ruining those grass, brother, and get healthy soon. All right. And with that, everyone, going to wrap up this edition of the Fantasy Live podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in with us each and every week. But just know, far more than just Dwayne and myself on Sunday nights. Tuesday morning, it's myself, Dwayne, and the great Marcus Gant breaking through the utilization report even even some sheesh goodness as well on wednesdays we have our flagship show the whole freaking gang matthew berry himself joining us to talk through the biggest storylines of the week then Dwayne, myself and the great marcus allen talking to all you guys marcus allen just our freaking boy chris allen i should say that's how you know we've been going for well over two hours at this point me the rock the Cincy Storm Trooper himself, breaking down the rest of the key questions ahead of the week. And then finally on Fridays, myself and Matthew Friedman reading off the injury report so you guys don't have to. So, Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? Probably the longest one of these we have to do the rest of the season. Hey, we did pretty good, though. Two hours and 15. Like, man, I think hit that's the, pretty Hit the impressive. under. We hit the under yeah, for sure. I think we did hit the under. Um, No, just obviously utilization report will be coming out first thing Tuesday morning, but you don't have to wait on me to write it for you you can go in and check out the tools they refresh the morning after games at 9 a.m eastern so game log whether you want the team styles view or you can see the drop back rate over expectation or maybe you just want to see how these guys rank you know across the rest of the league you can hit the season view so be sure to go check those out all for free under utilization check them out everybody and just you know subscribe to the fancy life newsletter if you're not already once again all free 99 for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>